Quest Beyond. Carl, Ryan, and Sam review the new movies you may want to see and talk a little news along the way. Venture with them for The Quest Beyond. The Quest Beyond, back again, another episode here to talk about what's new on streaming service, because that's the world we live in. And with that, we usually do the news, but we're going to put a pin in it. Nothing was groundbreaking, and since we have a special guest to this episode, we do not want to take all his time talking about mundane things like... How does Blossom look in the new Powerpuff Girls? Did you guys catch that fan art? No, we're not talking about that today. No, but her hair is orange. I did see that somewhere. <laughs> she has dyed her hair. Yes, I cannot wait for that to be canceled after a pilot. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, but yes, we will talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League. That's right. It's finally come full circle. We did our very first episode, like a three-hour episode talking about what to expect the whole what did we call it the snyder it was like a retrospective yeah exactly that's what that was was. all my idea and then i'm the one that was the reason it didn't work yes kyle got so excited he forgot to hit record on the entire episode (laughs) so we only had two voices so that got that's not what happened it didn't save there's a difference (laughs) oh man but we're here to talk about the movie it's finally come out we can talk about that and to top that off the Falcon and the Winter Soldier released its first episode, so we can talk about what's going on, what we're thinking, what we can expect or theorize in the near future. This one's only six episodes as opposed to the nine of WandaVision, so who knows? They might be on a faster track. The episodes are longer, so those 20-minute WandaVision episodes that you're hoping are an hour, that's come to fruition on this one. Before we get there, I'm Ryan Starfire. Hey, I'm Sam McLennan. And I'm Kyle, a.k.a. Lugan17. On the old Twitch. And if you want to jump in, our special guest, and say hello. Hi, everybody. (laughs) I'm Rob Keys. I'm very happy to be here. Yes, Rob, who is the executive and editorial director at Screen Rant, is gracing us with his present. He's going to class this place up because you know how terrible we usually do on this. So he's going to actually make us sound good for once. No, get out of here. The whole fun of this, you got to keep it casual and very quarantine style, you know? That's the way it goes. Go with the flow. Yes. There we go. That just means cough every so often. And it's quarantine. Or there's a creaking of a beverage or candy bag. Yeah, that's my I mean, bad. it's real. It's immersive. Yeah, it's we true. call that well, production value. Yeah. <laughs> All the foliage you effects. can think of. Yes. So there we are. With oh. that, let's just let's go right to the first segment. We're going to talk the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. March nineteenth of two thousand and twenty-one. That's when we got the released for the first episode of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. This one, I bet you cannot guess the two characters it follows from the Marvel verse, but they are. Large and in charge here. It's not WandaVision. We just end it with them two weeks ago-ish at this point. But with that, we're just going to jump in. We're going to talk about this first episode we got to see. We're just going to blow this thing wide open. It's all spoilers are on for this one, so don't have to hold back. If you haven't watched this episode, or if you need like a little push to jump in on your own, hopefully we can give you that. Or we're just going to send you running, whatever, whatever you take away from this. Sam, you want to kick us off? 
Sure, yeah. Um, okay, first of all, I just want to say, guys, the, the production value here for Falcon and Winter Soldier, like, Disney is, oh my, throwing the money at this thing. Like, I, I feel like immediately it, it looked like just a Marvel movie. Um, or Independence Day. Yeah. Also a movie, though. Uh, <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> That's true. Um, so I was certainly impressed with that. They're not holding back on the visual effects and whatnot. They're not holding back on getting UFC fighters to to come back. Um, I will say I, I liked the vibes um, it was giving me in terms of like more of like a character study between Falcon Winter Soldier. It felt like it almost felt like a, a war veteran movie. Like they're kind of coming to terms with the after effects of you know the Infinity War, the snap, all that business. So I certainly appreciated that. Um, it did feel like we started off with set up like a filler episode of sorts i don't know like it 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 started off strong exciting big action set piece and then it kind of just took its time with with the characters which is i i guess necessary um but and just to jump in with your initial reaction to wandavision when that came out you and probably 80 percent of viewers why are we starting with filler episodes (laughs) yeah i don't know what it is i seem to be turned off by the way these things are starting but um I'll be patient. We'll see. Like you said, it's only six episodes, so I'm sure uh, come episode two, they're going to be flying. No pun intended. That was a horrible pun. (laughs) 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 And yes, they also answered our age-old question, how do these people afford apartment buildings? I think that's what everyone's takeaway was. Yeah, I like that. That's what I came out of Endgame asking. How are they going to afford all these people now? we got to build another complex? Who got all of Tony's money? Did Peter? No. I know he he inherited a bunch of glasses, at least. Will this answer the question, will Gwyneth Paltrow ever come back? I'm going to assume no. I think she's done. That would be my guess. She might come back, but she won't realize that she's back. I think that's the the key. And she'll forget. And she'll forget right after. (laughs) And then we'll get another cookbook. (laughs) Kyle, what did you think? I'm really disappointed my candle exploded. I'm not going to lie. Um, I thought it was fine. The the show pitch it like we talked about it when we led into WandaVision in terms of how are they marketing this, marketing this to you? I feel that all of the ads, TV spots, hell, even the posters, I have one in the mail, so this will get switched out, is more of the Russo's uh feel moving moving from winter soldier through i would say this is probably closer to winter soldier in aesthetic than civil war because i like civil war but it is avengers 2.5 like that whole movie works because it's about steve but the overall scale of that movie is an avengers movie this immediately did feel more intimate and i like the independence day action sequence in the beginning it looks great I can't remember where I saw it, but it is definitely something I've been thinking about ever since I finished the episode. So, why doesn't Red Wing just do everything? Because <laughs> it clearly did when they're fighting the helicopters. Yeah. It right? It's a sentient. Lot. 
So I expected to have like an amazing voice in episode two, which would be <laughs> awesome. Like I don't know, make it Michael Clark and Michael. Oh no, he's passed away. No, he's trying to think of <laughs> nice try. Uh, no, Keith Morgan David. Freeman. There, Morgan oh. Freeman or Keith David. That's what I want. Oh, Keith I David, want, I'm down. I I want it talking back to him. It'd be amazing. Yeah, but. I, I think the setup is there. It, this is a rare... It's not a rare instance. This is an occasion where I felt similarly to this as I did w- with the retcon episode of WandaVision, which is, if you've been keeping up, you don't really need to know how they got to where they are. Like, some of the changes that we discussed that they made to Wanda's backstory were interesting, and seeing another instance where Bucky killed somebody was cool... And how that that affects like what he's doing now, and the fact that he has to walk around wearing two leather gloves, I thought was funny. And then I was discussing it with a friend the other day, which was like, why doesn't he wear one glove? Oh right, Michael Jackson's ruined that for everyone forever. So he can't just wear one white mitt or one black mitten. He's got to wear two leather gloves because he's an old man. I'm hoping we get to see more of the PTSD that they're both kind of experiences like they both lost friends and have lost like other people like we don't know i guess if steve is dead the timeline thing is a mess i think everybody kind of has their own version of where steve is if he's on an like a different earth timeline or if he's in earth 66 timeline the Russos have a different opinion. The writers have a different opinion. So maybe this show will tell us. That'll be great. I like the introduction of the army buddy. I know he's... I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But I Joaquin. know at some... Yeah, I know he at some point he became Falcon in the comics. Which was really cool. So he I, also had like a jumbulation with Red Falcon. I believe they had some sort of hybrid thing going on at one point. Like a Hawkman-ish, yeah. Something oh. like that. Okay, so he's got a bird head and then human arms. He was bird person, yes. <laughs> a bird person. That works for me. So yeah, overall I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. There wasn't a moment where I was bored. Uh, I appreciate the fact that it feels more like an action drama, but I'm more interested to seeing where the show goes. And I can't wait for Purple Mass Zemo. That's really what I'm looking forward to most. I don't know if you guys have watched the like highlight uh, is it Legends? I believe it's called on Disney Plus. It's like I know Kyle turned me on to them. Uh, yeah, they're hype videos. <laughs> hype videos, but they did one for Zemo too, and that got me the most hype. And I was like, "Does that mean he's gonna be a good guy?" Like I was like, "What are the vibes on this thing?" He's not gonna be a good guy. <laughs> I skipped that one because it would only summarize one movie, and it was a good movie. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Rob, we'll throw it to you. Sure. Uh... I'm of two minds, or maybe 20, on this. <laughs> um, everything you guys are saying is true. It, it's so unfortunate. This, and by unfortunate, I mean how, how this thing's rolling out. And you guys compared to the opening of WandaVision, which is very fair. Um, when I watched WandaVision, I saw it through screeners. So I was able to watch three at once. And even that, to me, felt like not enough, right? We're not used to the slow burn approach. We were, we're used to seeing complete chapters, not segments of chapters separated by week because of a merchandising or subscription plan. You know what I'm saying? So it's very unfortunate. This is why from a, I'm a very pro-consumer advocate, and I think the Netflix model is the best for consumers because you have the choice. If you're not involved in what we're doing, talking on podcasts or working for websites or you're making YouTube videos, whatever it is, 
um, being able to choose when you watch your content that you're paying for is the ultimate pro-consumer move. And that's why I love binging, partly because that's the way I need to consume content due to my lifestyle and limited time, but partly because a story like this, like I wanna see what's next. This first episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier is an extremely strong episode of television. It's super well done. It's got amazing performances. It does a tremendous job in introducing several characters, even side characters who are not even in the grand scheme of things, not relevant to the MCU, but does such a great job connecting. Like think of who um, Bucky's spending time with because of guilt in this episode. I could watch a whole movie on those two connecting and him trying to get over his these nightmares that are coming back to him. He's, he's lost the peace he earned or or worked through through vig- rigorous Shuri-style you know, therapy in Wakanda. It's all gone now. It's coming back. Um, so the PTSD aspect, the nightmares, him coping with who he was uh, unintentionally or otherwise uh, is very interesting character study. But we kind of want to see who's going to be the next calf. And and Kyle here is talking about what happened to the old calf. And for me, I don't, I don't even want to see Steve Rogers. This is not his story. Oh, I don't want to see him. I don't want to see him at all. And, and to answer your question, I think the answer is the, yes to everything you're saying. There is a cap in this universe. There's a cap in that universe. Yeah. Who the, where, where they came from. It's possible every cap and every timeline shifted one timeline over. <laughs> It, wow! Who knows? It's Everybody just, cha-cha it, slided to the left. <laughs> but actually, if you, if you want to get into like theoretical time travel and yeah. paradoxes, that's probably what happened or some version of that. Or every possibility is true, right? Um, and that's why the writer and directors will tell you two different things, and then a year later they'll also tell you another two different things. So because mm. uh, they don't even know, they can't. They can argue one way or another. I can tell them they're wrong, and they'll be like, "Oh yeah, but," and they'll come up with a new solution. So, um, but yeah, the the. Um, and, and what you were saying, Samuel, about the introduction, yeah, they, they, they're not holding back, man. They, they went all out with that Falcon nine-minute chopper aerial action sequence, which was on the scale visually as The Winter Soldier, which is, to me, my favorite MCU movie. Um, and, Kyle, you mentioned Civil War. To me, that's, like, a great movie, but to me, the worst special effects I've probably seen in the MCU. Oh, my God, those green <laughs> so, screen effects at that like airport that. are so bad. <laughs> and, dude, I was on set for that. That's oh. the scene I was there for. That's Giant what they green had you seen in Atlanta? Airport. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. no Minus way. Spider-Man, who yeah. they weren't allowed to talk about, except the prop guy told us by accident, but we were never allowed to say that. Now, uh, is it true that Robert Downey Jr.'s neck is really over here on his shoulders? <laughs> or is that just the effect? <laughs> well, he, when he's there on set, he's just wearing like a plastic, looks like a football gear that's it everything else is dots uh, his yeah, pants yeah. They, they, they've reduced and all the practical stuff is gone and it's, re- it's really sad to say that um, it's just something happened with the backgrounds or they did some additional shoots on a, on a sound stage somewhere and tried to edit that in and they just didn't that vendor didn't have time or budget or something it's same pro- you look at Black Panther same thing Black Panther has some scenes which look incredible then you have the scenes in the mine shaft in the third act yeah. which look like like I tried to do Photoshop or something and it was yeah. like really rough right <laughs> and for a movie at that scale like I hope that never happens again yeah. so um yeah anyways that's a whole different <laughs> story uh, but, but yeah, this show's good and, it, and it's weird it's all set up though you know if you get a deep dive into the characters which is very strong you get a sample of what the action can be in the show mm-hmm. uh, from like the non-powered characters which is cool uh, I have another note on that one in a second uh, and and but it's all set up so so at the end we ha- it's called Falcon and the Winter Soldier they're literally never together in this episode um, and, and Zemo who we're all excited to see not even in this episode so it's it's very in- it's it's all set up which is great for TV but again we're all kind of like well let's let's get to the title card but uh, that's unfortunate just because we've been brainwashed and trained that way through through how Disney has previously released Marvel stories up until Disney Plus and how we consume uh, content on other networks um, 
namely Netflix. But uh, on the Falcon thing, I'll say one note, and this is mainly from the marketing materials. Like, I like the action scene in the beginning. My problem so far, and what I'm very concerned with, is that in the trailers for what's coming, we see samples of like Sam like throwing the shield and, and learning to do all these cool moves. And he's like bouncing the shield off trees, catching it with his bare hands when he's not powered. Should cut his and hands one off. Scene, <laughs> Right? I thought the whole cool part about the Winter Soldier marketing is that Bucky could catch it because he has the metal arm and he's super powered. Now Sam is just a dude and he catches it while also bouncing it perfectly, but it gets worse. There's a scene where he does this weird flip and catches it out of the air, and I'm like, oh no. They're just doing flips because they think it looks cool, not because it makes any sense in the scene. And I hope they stay away from that. Otherwise, it's going to ruin this whole show for me. Is the stunt coordinator from this the guy who told Roy Harper and Arrow to do all the parkour? <laughs> Oh, is that's that, right. He just jumps that, off fences and flips the for same no guy. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, I, I guess we'll see it later. But the physics for the shield have never been consistent. I, I agree with you. I love Winter Soldier. I think it's the best MCU movie. But there are moments where he's taking on a Gatling gun, and then he gets hit with a grenade, and it launches him through a building, or th- through into a bus, which if, like, Steve has super strength, and is if it's dissipating that energy, it should move him. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, yeah, one thing I guess, Ryan, do you want to bring up uh, Wyatt Russell? Oh, I was gonna talk about him. For yeah, sure, do it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I was just gonna say, I guess, on that note, we do get sort of introduced to another superpowered guy in this. So maybe Sam inherits powers along the way, some sort of serum that at least boosts him, that he can catch a shield. Like it's hard to say what they're gonna do. True. And. Hopefully that's not it. It would kind of be cool if we have one of these guys at least, like just a straight guy that just has some sort of tech to help him along. I guess now that we have the absence of Tony Stark, who's going to fill that role? I was pumped to see Rhodey in this one. I did not expect to see him. And I'm a huge mark for anything they want to throw at me if we get cameos all over the place. they got (laughs) to set up the armor wars or whatever it's called. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Someone's got to get excited for that show. So (laughs) we got to build it up. Uh, and uh, yes, seeing George St. Pierre come back like Batroc the Leaper, he, I have not seen him jump in two movies now, but we will see, I guess, <laughs> down the line because he, he obviously did not die, so he's coming back at some point. Yeah. So that'll be nice yeah, to I hope see. So. Or at least at the end of this one. But yeah, we got introduced to the Flag Smashers, and um, I'm going to gap on his name right now as we're just about to build up John Walker, the U.S. agent here, who's taken over the role and doesn't look like Wyatt Russell. He looked no. He looked kind of like the old guy from Up. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> what happened? Like the the mask really like affected his face. I don't know it's, what's it, going on there. It's not doing him any favors. No. that's for sure. And he's he a good looking like dude. Like Captain America from that '90s movie that was made by like an Italian <laughs> production company with yeah. fake ears. Yeah, like they couldn't yeah. cut holes for his real ears, so they gave him prosthetic fake ears. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> that was not Willoughby from Everybody Wants Some, if I ever did see, no. which I was really Good hoping movie. for. But yeah, I'm real excited to see what he does with the character. Like, I think he's going to play the perfect kind of counter to them. And obviously this whole episode they were building up, like Sam's dealing with, am I going to take over that mantle? I don't really want it. It's not mine, even though Cap wished it on him. And then the government kind of is like, yeah, we'll just build him a monument, right? That's the thing to do. Let's put that shield in a glass case. And 10 minutes later, we see, nope, we just want to do our own Captain America. So we have that whole thing that'll probably tie into the Flag Smashers. 
and I would assume that's where it goes. Zemo, based on this episode, I'm having a hard time placing where he's going to fit in, if he's going to be part of these organizations, or... Because he did break out at the end of the last one, or was he still in the box? We haven't seen him since he was locked up. He was yeah. still locked up with him, so... Yeah. I guess we still got that breakout scene, too. So. Yeah, it could be during the blip he got out, or when he came back he got out. That's a good so. point, yeah. yeah There's a lot we don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the the U.S. agent John Walker thing is very interesting. We're going to be inter- yeah. interviewing uh, Wyatt next week, and oh. a few of the other new characters coming in in episode two. So I'm very excited to see what they do with that. I, I kind of like the idea of Wyatt Russell in the MCU as a long-term secondary character is very exciting to me. So He needs his beer. Uh, it, yeah, is he's been here for too long. Yeah. Is the idea that like he will have superpowers, or is he just like a mascot of sorts? Like, do we not know for sure? We don't know for sure in for this sure, adaptation yeah. yet, but he could. But yeah. I don't know. I, the idea of the U.S. government having their own superhero serum already seems odd yeah. to me. So I'm not sure. That's a big jump in story to just have off screen and just like introduce right at the end of this episode right unless unless you want to get I don't know how much you guys want to get into speculation and theory but like if someone like Thunderbolt Ross comes back and he's like still trying to do some Hulk style super soldier program and then this is the result of that but then it's like ugh, everyone's going to be a super soldier but we did see the one Flag Smasher who had powers the same powers seemingly on the surface as, as, as Steve Rogers would have right yeah. something sort of exists yeah at this point yeah well, in the episode, I think one of the things that I'm really curious about is uh, Aaron Kellyman, who was um, in Solo. We've seen yeah. her in the advertising. So I was, I don't, um, again, this is probably the the ads worked. When we barely saw her, I'm like, uh, she's supposed to be important. And then, like, we just keep, the story kept moving. She's so, going to be, yeah. Yeah. So it'll be interesting because she's playing, I had to look this up. I did not know what the character's name was. But she just straight up is a flag smasher. She's playing Carly... Morgenthau, which is like a decoy name, I think, for the purposes of this show. Yeah, uh, there's all these theories out there. She's playing Sin. She's playing, you know what I mean? So, or some version of that. So, uh, a lot of mystery already. I hope they don't fall into this one division trap where everyone's like, "Where's Mephisto? Yeah, like, yeah. multiverse. The X Men are coming, and like, none of it happens." Yeah, so, uh, we'll see. Ralph I Boner. I feel like yeah. they they might like obviously try and hook you for the next episode, but this one feels like they're playing it more straight. Uh, compared to WandaVision where everything was a mystery and you know that was the whole reason why everyone's getting so hyped up about a cameo or whatnot so I think this one will just be like straight down the middle like action yeah. drama back to the government conspiracy style yeah it, it is but if you do remember the Winter Soldier and that theme it is all about spycraft so I think a lot of it I think it's going to follow that theme a bit Some I mean the fact crossings. that Zemo's in here he's all about manipulation sure. right so, so I think I think that's going to be part of it uh there's got to be more to this Flag Smashers than they're just, they want the old world back, the blip world. And it's like, ah, it's got to be more to it than that, right? So, um, and of course, as we all know, everything sets up something. Even if we want to avoid that conversation, this is, could lead to Thunderbolts, it could set up Armor Wars or whatever it's going to be. Some of these characters are going places as a result of this story. So, uh, it's exciting to think about that because, again, we've seen nothing but the real life stories of these characters, which, again, that to me, why this is a, this is a strong episode because the problem with WandaVision, we saw real people people who were in this fantasy world manipulated right it, it was an example of what real life was like after the blip outside of seeing the grief story of wanda 
And if you go back to Avengers Endgame, we only had really one sequence where we saw the real world, and it was uh, when when Paul Rudd, Scott Lang, came back, and he was trying to find his daughter, and he saw the monuments, he saw the dirty streets, he saw yeah. the parks as they were, and like, that was the only example of like the real world, the real stakes, what we're fighting for, we've seen. So if, if this can ground everybody back to saying, hey, the world kind of sucked, we're out of money, yeah. there could be population issues, banks are all messed up now, like, that's something we desperately needed as a refresher to reset everybody going into phase four so i'm really really happy to do that and i hope even even the ground surface stuff when when they're uh, in the middle east doing missions and, and trying to figure out who the flag smashers are the more real world people we get in this show the better all the other shows will benefit from that i think and yeah. it, it does kind of talk about how wandavision like we knew months before that Wanda was showing up in the future doctor strange and everything like everyone's kind of making that connection they haven't told us where Falcon and Winter Soldier are going after this. We don't True. know what's happening, so it could remain quite small, quite compact, at least on that regard, and stay with these characters rather than just be building towards something the whole time in a They're future movie. They're all scrolls. Movie. That's what's happening. They're all scrolls. They could be, yeah. We have to justify that show somehow. Which we can also justify that Bucky went on a date this whole thing, and... Yeah. I finally finally saw it i understand why everyone's telling me sebastian stan is hot i saw it in this restaurant when he's brooding i was like i get it now he is an attractive man <laughs> this whole time it's been over my head but there it was was it the haircut i think it's, it's, really it's got to be the haircut. the haircut yeah. yeah i should cut my hair then. I gotta <laughs> yeah. it's out of control yeah. oh man oh, yeah he was man. in a different kind of quarantine though I want a cryogenic quarantine. You don't put on any weight. <laughs> True. Go, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I'm gonna see how trim uh, Walt Disney comes out in a few years. What is Disney Plus? <laughs> <laughs> this was not my vision at all. I just wanted a mouse on a boat this whole time. Yeah, I wanted more theme parks, guys. Yeah. Come on. Oh. Oh, man. Well, with that, I think we can pin this talk for six more, five more weeks, technically. So I think it's April 19th. April 23rd is when the final episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier will wrap up and we'll get to talk about what happened this whole series, this whole six episodes. And if any of these theories kind of panned out that we've been talking about or how far off we would have been. So with that, though, we can... We can jump into the meat and potatoes of this episode, and Kyle has prepared a three-hour rant on <laughs> to review. So we're all we're all gonna buckle in. We're gonna take quick snapshots of our screen and just put them on and turn our cameras off. So we're still here as we jump into Zack Snyder's Justice League. Many moons ago, at this point, we watched this movie called Justice League directed by Joss Whedon and Zack Snyder allegedly and it sucked pretty much pretty much we can all agree it sucked I won't speak for Rob because he's new here but I know where the others stand but I have a bigger answer I think all the DC movies back then sucked so oh, low bar nice there we go and from that point a whole movement spun out of it just release the Snyder Cut it exists somewhere we were robbed of it Joss Whedon was only brought on to just kind of punch up some comedy in this script we didn't want him taking over 
and we've talked about that whole backstory long enough as to why events transpired the unfortunate see behind it so we won't jump too far into that side of things we'll just fast forward a few years to the announcement of Zack Snyder's Justice League HBO Max at one point it was going to be a series another point it might have been two movies they were kind of throwing around ideas but we got a four hour cut the entire movie from start to finish by Zack Snyder's hand they show a nice opening to this of Batman walking away from camera and it just says directed by Zack Snyder and millions of people around the world cheered just on that scene alone I heard Kyle many miles away. <laughs> it's like Superman's yell. Yes! So, to kick it off with that, Sam, Yo. what is Zack Snyder's Justice League? Well, according to IMDb, this is actually one of the longer ones from IMDb. Uh... <laughs> Determined to ensure Superman's ultimate sacrifice was not in vain, Bruce Wayne aligns forces with Diana Prince with plans to recruit a team of metahumans to protect the world from an approaching threat of catastrophic proportions. I couldn't have said it better myself. I don't even know if you could have, Sam. I don't think so. Definitely not. Lucky IMDB. (laughs) Big words in there. So with that... We're just going to jump in. We're going to say no spoilers right now for just the brief review of Zack Snyder's Justice League. If you guys are still breaking it up into chapters, chipping away at it, or if you are just waiting for that right four hours to shape up, we won't spoil things for you guys, but we'll give you our initial thoughts on Zack Snyder's Justice League. So throw it back to Sam, who had some homework to do to be able to watch this movie. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't seen the ultimate edition of... uh batman v superman so i had to catch up with that before uh, watching this uh it really got me pumped up for this um context for you rob i'm not i'm not like fully into the comic book world or like uh, i'm not like the first person to cut like run out to see these movies but i really enjoy mm-hmm. them um so i was excited just to, to watch this just purely out of curiosity for what this thing is because i mean this is i mean there's been director's cuts before but i mean this one was completely fueled by you know a a passionate filmmaker and also a passionate fan base so i was excited to see what came out of this and i'm happy to say i liked it i i I would say honestly out of the dc movies i've seen this is probably like the third best one at least for me like i i like wonder woman i like aquaman and then i like justice league zack snyder's justice league um I thought it was great. Um, I thought it was f- flawed for sure. There's lots going on. It's like bombastic. It's visually stunning, operatic. Um, it's four freaking hours, but for good hours, I I really liked it. And I I will say I think I liked the first like couple hours more than the back half, um, but. Yeah, like I, I was really impressed. I'm glad this this finally came out. Um, yeah, I mean, like I think we'll I'll, we'll throw it around. Like I'll I do have some cons, but I think well, I want to hear everyone else's initial reactions first. But uh, I, I'll say I definitely liked it, despite it being a little bloated and whatnot. But whatever. Kyle, do you want to save yours for last? 
since I know on these big movies you like to do that. So I do. I'll jump in here and pick up the torch after Sam, and I'll say, without a doubt, it proves its worth, and it's clearly a better coherent watch than Joss Whedon's Justice League. <laughs> That's for sure. Which I think would have to be the first benchmark it would have to hit, I guess, after its release was, is this whole thing worth it? Are we going to be severely disappointed that everyone signed this online petition that took 30 seconds of my time to do to be severely let down and to get sucker punched <laughs> one more time? <laughs> okay. Which okay. Sam is the only sucker punch. I don't know how, again, you feel about sucker punch, Rob, but Sam loves sucker punch. <laughs> so, and we get shit Sam. for it every episode. Punch it up. <laughs> For four hours, it does flow pretty well. I was surprised by that. I was thinking I was going to run into a lot more roadblocks than I did. I was going to take a lot more breaks than I did just because if you throw a four-hour take at me, I don't want to do anything that long, really. So <laughs> to get get told I'm going to watch a movie and a Zack Snyder movie at that, which I like a Zack Snyder movie, but four hours, you're pushing your luck. But I was actually happy to do it, and... I was surprised at the wealth of character development that was cut, I guess, and thrown back in. It was It's quite interesting, the choices that were made, I guess, looking back and forth at these two versions now. Uh, is there a slimmer cut? Yeah, sure, and not everything was important to stay in there, but you got to take the Zack with the Snyder when you can get it, so let's just go on from that and accept that's what his vision was, and... I mean, if you're going to give us a free, at this point, four hours, uh, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take what you thought was that important to show us, and I'll completely let it kind of soak in. And I enjoyed it. The action was a ton better. It really popped when they kind of were using the between story beats to flow into the action rather than just action scene attempt at comedy that was slightly misogynistic, more action scene that we got before. This whole, the breaks that we got, I felt were kind of tagging everything along. Uh, There's a lot of creation uh, to just cr- make these characters better and make them more, more interesting to, I guess, watch for four hours. I will jump into the more cons when we can spoil some things with that, but for the most part, I definitely thought it was the best in the Snyderverse of films, and I'd even say for four hours, I would watch it again which is also saying something. So we'll throw it to Rob next. Sure. Uh, yeah, that's a good way to put it. I would also watch it again, partly because just there's so much there, and um, I have similar feelings to Zack Snyder's Justice League as I do BVS in that there are really, really strong details and elements that on their own are awesome, and that's the kind of stuff I'd like to take, and because this is four hours long and involves the full Justice League in their quote-unquote proper form uh, there's so much of that to dig into for example in BVS I love the Batfleck the whole world around that I love the decrepit old Wayne Manor that's lost battles I love the 20 years of history and all of his gear and Alfred's relationship I love the Batmobile I love the flying fox all, all the tech and gear and the history there he has with characters we may never get to see now which is unfortunate I love all of that and I want to see more of that um to describe the movie itself though it, it, it's and I tell this to everyone when they ask me it's simultaneously too long and too short uh, as a movie there's bloat 
and there are edits that don't make sense. There are storylines that they inflate in areas and deflate or are missing in other areas. So the pacing is completely off. Or like just object. slow down. Yeah, you slow, yeah, or 10% of the movie slow motion. Slow but down. <laughs> we make that joke and it's statistically that's accurate. But, you know, it's fine. It's scene to scene. There's reasons for some of that and there's reasons to not do that. Um, <laughs> but the, the pacing of the actual, like, story beats even if they separated it like they did the six acts with like an epilogue sort of thing it's, it's still messy uh, and if you track any one character's journey in the movie it's also very messy and incomplete so but, but that's what I'm saying it feels like it's too short because maybe this would have been a really cool you know HBO Watchmen style 8 hours or 12 hours where you actually get the full story because you know half this team we've ha- they hadn't had their own really like their stories yet you know what I mean they haven't uh, at, the, at the time this movie was originally intended to release in 2017 and to take all these iconic myths as Zack Snyder would describe them as who have decades and decades and decades of lore behind them and to just throw them in a team and say hey you're fighting CGI things now and there's there's boxes everywhere and you're like wait what? So to a casual viewer that's all meaningless then you throw them on this journey where you see a character and they're missing for 75 minutes and they come back or you have other characters who were not in the movie for three hours it's like it's very jarring now for fans who've been on this journey Man of Steel BVS and this that's awesome you're getting so much more of that and you're seeing that fleshed out more and for fans of the comics who know all this stuff and all the little special surprises in this movie that's great but for, as a movie standalone it's a complete and utter mess but I enjoyed it because I like these movies I've been following along and I'm in the industry so we've been we've written 5,000 articles on Snyder's DC Universe since the since it began I remember writing an article many many years ago in the Watchmen era about how Warner Brothers was going to choose Zack Snyder to do Man of Steel it was down to like a short list of three or four directors I'm like they're going to choose Zack Snyder here's why and they did and now look at us years later he's done Justice League one and a half times Um, (laughs) what a journey right so this whole thing and the passionate fan base behind it has been great for business Um, but because of that it's, it's, it's hard for me I think anyone has kind of followed along with the whole Snyder Cut movement for the last three years it's impossible to separate the product from yeah. what it represents you know what I mean and how it got here and why it looks the way it does you know what I mean so it's such an interesting product for consumers for that reason you know what I mean so so I enjoy it for that reason too it's such a cool experiment to see this four hour thing this would never release in theaters like this no. and it's like the beginning of a trilogy but also the end of one and we may never see that and it's like it's so strange mm-hmm. but it's also like hard to kind of look away so uh, for all those reasons I would definitely watch it again um, it's good it's cool for what it is but what it is is very hard to describe I'll say that It's that's certainly a good way to put it and yeah the people that were in it they've been in it from the beginning they're watching that four hours eyes glued to the tv but there's people like my fiance who oh do you want to watch this with me i'll watch it if i hear it's the best movie ever but i'm not (laughs) sitting down for four hours so yeah selling the layman in better or lack of a better term to watch this movie i think that's the real challenge on this one now we have our final person to talk about it he's foaming at the mouth <laughs> to quote the dark knight he is a mad dog who's chasing cars we're gonna let him catch the car <laughs> let's see what he does all right um so my experience with this film i wouldn't recommend to anybody at all i almost feel too old for this at this point well and having small children definitely affects my viewing experience of this so I, for some reason, decided to watch it at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time when it released, which, don't watch anything at 3 a.m. 
I don't recommend it. I was three coffees deep by the time I got to the end of the film. Was it a How I Met Your Mother episode? Nothing good happens after 3 a.m.? <laughs> no, you know what it was? Your brain just isn't functioning at full potential. So regardless of anything, it would have been tough. Although, I don't think we can... Not talking... The length is obviously going to be something we're going to discuss. And as a Snyder fan, I feel like I've been training for this for most of my adolescence. Right? We had... I mean, up until this point, his movies were about two and a half hours. Pretty much everything was. And then we had BVS, which was an incomplete film because they cut out... Actually, sorry. Before that, we had Watchmen, which has three different cuts. There's the theatrical cut. There's the director cut, which is Zack's preferred, which is... I think it's like two hours and 40 minutes. And then there's the ultimate edition of that, which is three and a half hours, which includes the animated Black Freighter, which is... It's worth one viewing. I wouldn't recommend going back to that version because it. Speaking about discombobulated, like it is really jarring going from this movie that's supposed to be in the '80s to this, like, cell animation with Gerard Butler yelling at dead people. <laughs> that um, sounds good. Yeah, <laughs> animated dead people. And then we got sorry, we got Batman versus Superman, which was about two and a half hours, and then we got UE, which was three. So four hour and then. I'm, we're talking about length of movies. Endgame was three hours, so sure, let's tack on another hour. So I watched this from three to seven, and I don't think I processed anything. <laughs> like, I was aware I was watching... I felt like... Not to talk about Mar Marvel, but I felt like I was astral projected out of it. Like, I was there experiencing the movie, but I couldn't tell you into words how I felt about it. It was... I th we Rob mentioned like elation that it existed was the only thing I could really convey to my wife who unfortunately for our entire relationship has had to deal with me talking about Zack Snyder films <laughs> what a saint <laughs> yes yeah, she, she deserves a gold star and I promised her I wouldn't talk to her about this movie once she had seen it I would save it for other people so she has now seen it so she feels very happy that she never has to hear me talk about it, at least to her. <laughs> so I then I viewed the movie it three other times after this the three the ridiculous morning call. I watched it in one full sitting when I was able to function entirely. And then I watched it out of morbid curiosity in the parts to see if I felt differently about it because with the mysterious or the mystery around how it was going to get launched i was curious as if maybe i i feel differently if i watched it in pieces and then due to having two small children we watched it in two two-hour chunks and i finished it minutes before we jumped on this call today so i'm as fresh as humanly possible and the best way i can describe this is this is zach's doctorate in filmmaking i think he's using everything he's ever attempted to do or any trick we've known him for and he put it into this magnum opus and I will accept that it has issues and it is most definitely a bloated film but when you've been on a deserted island with uh, your ben best friend being a volleyball for however for almost four entire years getting this thing I was I was consuming it all at every single minute i think the first time i sam i knew we know it would be different I, don't, I guess we should you had never seen the theatrical cut 
So I'm curious if your experience was different. Because I know the first time for me, I was watching it going, okay, like the, a lot of this is familiar. Okay. And then noticing the differences immediately. But in viewings two, three, and four, similarly to the Ultimate Edition, I was like, this is the movie. Like, let forgetting what we had been given before, but getting to see true Batflick back in full fashion was so gratifying and getting to see the versions of the characters that this universe had intended for us for almost four years ago it was fantastic I, I really enjoyed the chemistry between those characters because that can be really hard to nail in any shared universe obviously Marvel has had success with it minus the recastings but it is this g giant thing that like Rob said it gives you so much all at once and it is definitely something that I think would take more than once to fully grasp all the stuff that's going on I know in this fourth viewing I was still taking new things and that's probably because Zach is continuing to talk about it and all the things that I had heard post post launch on the Thursday I think added to the experience like there are these details that made it a more gratifying experience so yeah it's definitely hard to separate the the thing from the movement but all of the times it was supposed to be funny i laughed it made me think of all of the bad jokes that were in the theatrical like guys what about brunch i just want to know about brunch and every time it was supposed to be emotional i thought it worked i thought the action was great i was shocked to see how they developed steppenwolf because he was just a straight-up video game character in the last version. Um, it, it's de this definitely wonky if you are tracking every single character's story individually, but as a whole, I thought it rounded out. And it's in this weird spot because... Rob was right. This is sort of an end of a trilogy, but also supposed to be this, brand, or this tree that limbed out and grew into all these things. So it, it's hard looking at those things as unanswered questions or mystery boxes because this movie was made five years ago. Rob was there when they shot some of this movie in England and not knowing where those things are going to go or even if we're going to get more, that was kind of dampened my excitement. But overall, it was it was the experience I was hoping it was going to be. Well, that is high praise because I'm sure anyone who's listened to this podcast knows how high Kyle has been on it. He has spent millions of dollars on Zack Snyder apparel. He owns 12 of every shirt that was <laughs> available. So. Two. It's two. And they went to charity. They did go to charity. Donate to AFSP. <laughs> there we go. So, yes. I think... I'm not sure if it is a surprise or not that everyone actually enjoyed this cut. I know Kyle is relieved that he has to do no retconning to our our entire viewing experience, so there's that. <laughs> we won't have to go back for any of that, but with that, we can say we all have liked Zack Snyder's Justice League, and you guys should go check it out if you haven't yet, because we are going to take this to spoilers next and really jump into some things, give a lot more, I guess, examples of what we're talking about, maybe some of our favorite scenes our least favorite stuff but the gloves are off at that point this is going to be your final warning after this music plays you guys don't have any more chance you're going to have to listen to four hours of us breaking down this movie <laughs> 
spoilers for Zack Snyder's Justice League. Here they are. You got. You have no time. Just you're done. <laughs> Just keep listening at this point. Here they come. Sam, full spoilers on. Do you want to just keep, you want to just jump in? I know we're, we usually do a full synopsis thing, but we just agreed for our movie. A lot of synopsis. Let's just, what comes to mind, what washes up from that, and we'll just fall down this huge rabbit hole. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's so many jumping off points here, (laughs) but um, I think like the main thing I wanted to like praise about the movie is primarily the cyborg arc um i feel like that's the strongest arc in the movie mainly because i think he's given the most to do um but i i i felt like cyborg for me like i didn't really know much about cyborg besides the the scenes and from bvs uh, you know like really flying under the radar for me but the way his story's told in this, I, it, it was just, it was satisfying. I, I, I really enjoyed it. He became like a favorite. Um, I really appreciated the, the, the Zack Snyder hard hitting action. Uh, all the set pieces, you know, ranging from what goes on in uh, Themyscira. Is that right? Am I saying that right? And then, uh, you know, even like, I'm, I'm jumping around here in my mind, but like Wonder Woman's bank robbery you know the, the way she's, she stops that bank robbery that was just like that's what i wanted to see um from the wonder woman sequel like just an action scene like that like that was that was awesome um yeah patty yeah. jenkins has done so much good for wonder woman yeah but they need to mix in some of this Zack snyder action because when she's doing tornado wrist gauntlet blocks I was like, holy shit, where was this? Like, <laughs> I like this so much better than the practical running on the highway stuff that we got in 94 or 84. And then she obliterates Roose Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he gets fucked up. Yes, he does. <laughs> well, what did you guys think of, like, say about uh, the cyborg arc? Like, are, were you guys happy with that? It's the heart of the movie, right? Like, yeah. that was the whole, for from get-go, like, this is, it's such a, every... I don't want to quote uh, Stephen Colbert because I do listen to BVS by the minute and will be listening to Justice League by the minute. But <laughs> the best way to sum up any time I saw any footage for this, which was the exact same, which is why was this cut? Like, obviously, there we, we were going to talk about maybe what could have been trimmed to not have it be four hours. But it'd be like cutting out Tony Stark's arc from Endgame. Like it just it made the the theatrical cut continues to baffle and like I thought Ray Fisher was fantastic that scene alone of him in the car with his mom before the accident I was like oh okay I get like I get why Zach was saying what he was saying this guy's amazing he he had a lot of hurt there I'm still kind of torn if I loved Cyber Robin Hood scene when he gave the stack like i'm not sure if that was the best way to show like that he still has a heart even though he's kind of sheltered off from the world like part of it i'm like that was a cool scene but another part i'm like is that the best use that we could have done like him just creating a brick of money is to end up and then (laughs) yeah just a couple yay we won the lottery (laughs) (laughs) um 
I did another podcast where I was asked about that scene and someone said where do you think he stole that money from I'm like ah right. someone evil it's Lex Luthor or something but I'm assuming it's someone bad but yeah it was a very CW uh, moment when he just does visualize stack I'm like I think there's a, there's a better digital way to visualize yeah. this I think but, uh, but but you're right Kyle and Sam he, he, he is the heart of the movie he does give one of the most emotional performances because he's allowed to and I love the idea of the theme that he thinks he's a monster but really he is the most human and the reason he gets into trouble in school is because he put himself in the line to help someone in need and here he is again sacrifice sacrifice constantly giving taking the beating himself mentally and physically always to do what's right for everyone else so despite losing everything including his family so really strong stuff and, and Ray Fisher for some of the parts I thought were a little, little goofy maybe like when he's allowed to be human and I say that knowing he's a cyborg like he's like incredible like really emotional yeah. and stuff so it was awesome to see that he I saw something really funny sorry uh, quickly about the bullet thing which was like why is she moving so fast it's like she blocks bullets like she's not just standing in a spot where it's like oh it happened to hit my yeah. gauntlet like she has to move to block them so it would it's a safe assumption she could move at fast speeds wait say that again it's a safe assumption she can what like, so one. No, no, word for word. Tell me what you said. It's a safe assumption she can what? Move at fast speeds. It's a safe assumption she can move at fast speeds. Yet, the guy, when he's reloading his gun in slow motion, what does she do? Yes. Doesn't take the gun away or take him out. She says, This room is full of children. I'm going to take out half the building with the people outside <laughs> and put all these people at risk because I'm dumb all of a sudden. What the hell was that? I was surprised by that scene with bullets and the bomb and it's cool, beautiful set piece. By the way, it's shot almost like as a nod to the beginning of the Dark Knight, you know, the bank heist scene, where it's Mm -hmm. very like pulled back and it's like very kind of almost like a it's desaturated a little bit, but it's grim and there's this weird like uh, like a hum in the background. You know something's up, and it's It's like a Michael Mann movie. Very yeah, but shot with real cameras, not iPhones, and it's like yes, we spend like (laughs) three minutes on a briefcase only walking up the stairs and everything. But it's cool, you know, the ramp up the building, the care design, and even though I have no idea why these guys they're there what they're doing it's all dumb but man the scenes like you said and the way she comes in she's like she's a superhero she's a warrior and she's gonna show them who's boss right and then she becomes the biggest idiot I've seen in a movie in 20 years in a, in a span of two seconds and I'm like you had it you had five minutes of amazingness then you go oh no you ruined the whole moment with this scene why would she take out a building she's just full of kids and then she turns around and the kids are all smiling there's no shock or uh, the fact that she blew up out of a building. They're just happy. And she's like, I want to be like you one day and obliterate humans and walls <laughs> and put everyone at risk. And it's like, oh, come on, guys. But that's, Isn't that damp that's in the, the moment? That's the Sam catching the shield thing from earlier, though, right? It's, exactly. They it sounds the cool, right? Sounds cool. Ugh. I'm not going to... That kid interaction, though, for me, I, yeah, it's... I totally agree. In retrospect, could have... I'm thinking about it, though. Every... To quote Gal, she calls it the boosh. To our knowledge, does the boosh go backwards? I don't know, but I know when you take a wall out of a building, people can get hurt. (laughs) That's Uh, true. Fair fair point, fair point. I know not much, but... uh, Yes. The 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 power is cool. It's just like that moment, it was ruined. Like, she just, like, individually took out people. Yeah, Yeah, she individually took out people. They emphasize how fast and effective she is. And, like, you know... And then the one moment she has where she has the most time against the least amount of force, one person, no bullets in his gun, she takes out a building when there are police and civilians outside, when right behind her, six feet, is a classroom full of students. She says, I'm not going to take out the guy, I'm taking out fucking everything. 
And I'm blowing him into she, particles. Yeah, she's just trying to impress these kids, I think. Like, Why not just can, destroy the dude? You know what I mean? Like, We can all acknowledge how nitpicky this whole conversation... But, like, <laughs> how sorry. often does she do the cool slide kick out the leg thing Ugh. like why did she just do that true I'm down all yeah. of her physical moves are amazing so the fact that she just did that didn't fit the character or the moment or the build up so uh, very strange doesn't follow the logic of the scene to me so no that's fair one of the things though I don't I guess this is so hard because I guess that this scene immediately for me though identified one of the best changes for the overall movie in general and that's the score because Danny Elfman was sleepwalking through whatever the hell he did in uh, he, he probably used the Linda Carter theme and I just didn't notice um, but the use of the like choir and the Hans Zimmer like I think it's an electric cello is where the I'm not going to create the sound but where that comes <laughs> from it. well it's <laughs> that sound pretty good it's a bass and, but you turn it up and cello cello <laughs> <laughs> But I immediately, I, I while watching the movie, I was like, oh, fuck, yeah. Like, this is supposed to be awesome. Like, in the score, Junkie XL, or I guess he wants to go by his, not, his name now, Tom Holdenberg, like, immediately just, like, all up in this. This is a, awesome. But, yeah, it's... So, one thing, though, because a nitpick for me was she does the boosh too much. Like, and I get story-wise this is like the thing where you're talking about the, the continuity of the universe like 84 is not in this continuity so up like the last thing we've seen her do is like harness lightning which I guess maybe she thought was a bad idea in the center of this building but this awesome shockwave attack will work but the while seeing her do that it made me realize how often we don't know which king of Atlantis it is because it's not Atlan they make a point of not saying it's him mm-hmm all he does in the history lesson is ground pound. Like, he does nothing yeah. else. He just slams the Triton on the ground. Like, he's a he's like a somebody who can only do one move in a fighting game. He's like, this is my ultimate, and this is all I know. Can we, like, touch on that whole scene for... Just, the history lesson? Just, like, I thought that was awesome. Like, that, that had some strong Lord of the Rings vibes, like, just kind of teaching us about the past here and like obviously bringing dark side into the the game um i love that stuff i thought that that was great i feel like it was a little unfortunate that gal gadot was the narrator for it because i still think she is like a probably the weakest actor out of the bunch um but regardless the 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 lore the myth making there was really cool yeah any scene that's kind of carries that tone and in Ragnarok, the I know they invented that special camera for the Valkyrie scene when they're riding into battle, and like, yeah, throwing any sort of pastime war style theme, but like slowing it down, real gritty, real dark, like that. For some reason it just pops on camera. I feel like opening it up to where, like, okay, there's like, you know, the the people of the world are working together with the Atlanteans, you know, the Amazons you know humans it just like it, it, I, it naturally you can compare it to lord of the rings with all the different races there so i i yeah. liked how they're doing that in justice league did they take after david thulis for Ares? i can't remember I honestly remember like either well they took it they took out obviously they took out 
Well, it was interesting because as a comics fan, I assumed that was Uxus, like proto Dark Side. But I guess the movie's like, no, nah, he's just been Dark Side the whole time. He just decided to wear some chest armor after he got his arm almost sliced off. <laughs> Should have went for the head. That's character development. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, well. He, and I don't remember if Lupin was there, but the one thing that I kept looking at, and I'm, I'm sure somebody, I was trying to figure out if that Green Lantern is supposed to be like an ancient Tomar Ray, but he doesn't have the fin. No, they, I think they named him. It's not, it's not Tomar Did Ray. they? Okay. Yeah. But no, I love the history lesson. Like it, that for me was kind of, it's a pro, like a microcosm of the entire movie, which is, it's supposed to be this like Ben-Hur size epic. And you get that in the action sequences and specifically in what you could quote unquote call an exposition dump but when you're watching what's happening in the history lesson i think that the it just being pure exposition kind of goes away because it's like seeing a green lantern get their hand cut off before they're about to generate a construct is probably one of the coolest things put to a comic book movie and very marvel for a character to be losing their hand after (laughs) luke skywalker was it the right hand? <laughs> I think it was his left, if I recall. His left remember. has the ring, so that would have been that yeah. one. Um, yeah. it, Yalen Gurr is that Green Lantern's name. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we talk about the history lesson with that. We also get an alternate timeline in this one, if you want to say the nightmare scene at the end. Yeah. How do we feel about that one? I guess it's positioning... Well, I, I'm just gonna. I'll, I'll quickly say that the, I thought the epilogue was uh, like atrocious. I thought that was real bad. I, I didn't like the whole thirty-minute blog. I really didn't like anything that they like. It just. I, I get like you know like we've we've been talking about. This is a one-of-a-kind thing. They they are essentially just putting in what would have been like you know after-credit scenes. Um, yeah. But just like you know, Martian Manhunter, awesome. Did he have to you know? say his name like that you know like he should have said john jones yeah like like rob talked about like this being i would this is not for a generic fan like there were a couple times nalina was like uh and i'm like i'll answer it if you want right now and we can pause it or (laughs) we'll talk about it later and um that like there were certain parts of the movie like being somebody who's followed the entire journey of this thing like since or I guess it was May of 2017 like since this all shifted was there were moments in the movie that are like oh fuck yeah like Martian Manhunter reveal I don't remember where I saw it but that's been I think Zach shared it on Vero of the storyboards of that yeah and that there there was no hints that um Harry Lennox had shot anything like we knew of who had shot stuff with Ben and Jared and um, uh, Flash Flash Thompson from uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. I can't pronounce his last name. Manganello. Yeah. Deathstroke. Yeah. De- uh, yeah. Mrs. Sophia Vergara or Mister. Miss. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, <laughs> but knowing he had actually finished those scenes was really exciting. But this is the the whole thing. We had a conversation that will not be on the podcast about what's gone on around the movie. Like that end scene is supposed to be Green Lantern. Yeah, that's what it's supposed to be, and like, it they they shot Ben's side of that in 2016. That's why it's reshot with, knock on wood, sober. Good for you, Ben Affleck, who looks noticeably thinner than he did 25 minutes ago. But yeah, the epilogue, 
it's unfortunate. I think the way it's put in the movie, and this is not an excuse, but it's, I think Zach's attempt at, I'm not getting more. Yeah. So I'm going to try to wrap up everything I can. Like, I appreciate tying up the loose threads. It definitely feels, you're right, like seven post-credit scenes. It's, but remember that Lord of the Rings, the Return of the King, in the end, it's just, it's, it's kind of like a meme. The it's nine endings. Now take that, but now none of it relates to the film, and sometimes there's other characters, and sometimes <laughs> other timelines, and yeah. then there's another thirty minutes of that on top of that. And you're like, <laughs> so like uh, it's really really cool. What you're saying is all true. It's 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 very this whole project right from on paper. It's by the fans for the fans. So this is just like him's last shot. I'm gonna take all the footage I have, shoot a few things, even though Warner Media said don't shoot extra things, and just throw it all up there because I think it's cool, and I'm gonna make a bunch of cool marketing gimmicks out of this that aren't even in this film um some of it will be won't make sense that's what this is so same yeah you're as if it doesn't belong in this story at all and on its own it's still messy and all over the place and martian manhunter's role in this doesn't make any sense at all he, is, he has two scenes he has the epilogue night uh, this uh, this when he shows up with with Skinny Ben and then he also has got the scene where he goes in to manipulate Lois Lane all of a sudden yeah. which doesn't even fit not only does it fit yeah. this story him as a character yeah, how he acts as Martha doesn't make any sense but it also doesn't fit the Harry Lennox character we met in the previous movies um, yeah. BVS he was also kind of forced in as well but Man of Steel it's, it doesn't make any sense at all I can't even justify it in any way um but like for me again, like I like seeing another take on Jared Leto Joker. But man, it doesn't not belong in this film. Why is Deathstroke in this movie at all with Lex Luthor? That's no relevance. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, that's that's the that's one of those. It's so frustrating because that's that's what we talked about in non sports. That's a thread for a movie trilogy with Ben Affleck that we like. I know. That that that's where like you could probably safely cut out half an hour. Yeah, I, but. I, that didn't damper my like my viewing experience of them because it was yeah just but you gotta remember more. you have been following this since you just said May of 2017 that, you know all the characters you're even naming Green Lanterns who aren't even in this film so like that's what I'm saying but like that I think is 1% of the audience the you's and me's the four of us even I think are 1% of the audience doing a podcast about this I do think uh, you know you talked about your partner watching it my partner doesn't even want to watch it because it just doesn't make any sense you know what I mean um, mm-hmm. that being said she's excited to watch Wonder Woman 84 on Blu-ray <laughs> but um, <laughs> not that that's a better film uh, at all but um, yeah yeah uh, but the epilogue overall there's some cool things in there but I do get frustrated like you know again from the business side of it we're seeing Zack Snyder and, and the Snyder Cut official handles t- t- in HBO Max tweet out and send Facebook images of like the Bat Tank from Frank Miller's comics right that has no place in this film at all all, I don't even think that was supposed it's to beca- be Batman's. Ben Affleck, from what Ben Affleck told us, I don't think that was even going to be in that movie. They just made that shot, and it's in there for a split second. He's standing on this ginormous weaponized tank, and you're like, "What? And like, why is that in this movie? Is he preparing Which, for like another invasion? I suppose." But um, well, the only reason I and I this is I, I guess maybe the benefit of four viewings is. <laughs> Like so, the Batmobile's been destroyed. I, I think we're. It's safe to say that the BVS Batmobile is this one because it's like couple months. Yeah, not, it is, and it got wrecked. Right, yeah. right, and then got wrecked, and that's why all the guns. Because I, uh, referencing your set visit, I I recall you mentioning like this is going to be like 
the Batmobile on steroids. Like you thought it had guns in BVS, like it's guns on guns on guns. Which we saw. We saw, we saw the Howitzer cannon on top, the extra guns yeah. on the side, yeah. the missiles, yeah. and all that stuff. So yeah, right. And so it gets destroyed. So <laughs> I guess he's like, well, I got the war machine to <laughs> to, and it's it's that is Easter egg bonanza, right? Because he's on the war machine. He's in the BVS suit, which is closer to the Dark Knight Returns suit. It. And then if you look really carefully, he's a, he's captured. Not X-Men mutants, but mutants yeah. from the Dark Knight Returns comic. They've got the, like, 3D glasses on. What are they called? Hack and Slash or Slice and, and Dice? Slash. Slice make and it, Dice, I think. Slice and Dice yeah, make go. it look nasty. Yeah, yeah. there it is. <laughs> Yeah, that's again, uh, fans for the fans, right? That's like, I mean, yeah. I, again, I appreciate it. that's a cool visual, and the guy made for a great still. But that scene only exists for a great still, and I'm like, okay, that I'll, does not make great yeah. movie scenes. I like that you said that because Zack Snyder, I think we can all agree he's like, like a, in terms of a visual artist, he's like he's gifted for sure. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a lot of these moments, especially in the action scenes, like it's just like he's really good at making like trailer moments like it's just it's just like trailer moment after trailer moment after trailer moment do they connect you know as well as they should probably not but it's it's easy to admire like what he's doing but also easy to fault him for that so it's you know he's one of those filmmakers that I love watching his stuff because it's just I, I always feel so complicated after they'll cast me out to an island and I'll still be the only one saying I am all for Jared Leto being the Joker. So <laughs> I think that scene had to exist just because they know this is the last time. And I think this is what Rob was also talking about is we need to create some of these scenes that we're never going to get to see in the future. So we got to show Batman and Joker one time talking to each other. And like, let's try and get some amp up about this. Like restore the Snyder is trending at this point. Will it go anywhere? highly doubt it but those are the type of moments we got to start like i guess hyping up a little bit for the people just to get them excited for like no i need to see what happens with that nightmare verse like i need to see these trends keep going and i think they're just trying to get people excited with those little bits because i believe that was the only that scene and the duncan d ben's scene that he (laughs) he also think when he talked to martian man the skinny ben He's on his Dunkin' Donuts now. Leave him alone. <laughs> Obviously, he well, didn't no, get to eat any yeah. of it. He dropped it all. So that's why he's so skinny. Well, do we want to start? So we've we've done the beginning and yeah. we've done the very end. Yeah. Do we want to get to there? Well, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, like you could you could touch on we could touch on some mother box stuff and. Uh, yeah, I'm so glad that there was like an actual story with them and it wasn't a random parademon who exploded and gave us the plot of the movie. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> and then some and then somebody so Sam, this is not a joke. So Batman got somebody or was arresting a, he was using a criminal from Mindhunters to create fear to draw in a random parademon who then exploded due to sonic waves and you saw three mother boxes because we need to know these three boxes are important. And then some random dude we never see carve them into a wall in Iceland. Because they're all, yeah. So I guess, so the most, the first, what, hour is the recruitment? Yeah. Right? So we had Wonder Woman, and then we get to, yeah, Iceland is next, right? You talk about, we talked about visuals, so this is a perfect segue. Holy shit, Fabian Wagner. The shots of Iceland are insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful place, man. Yeah. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Which I this is when it was still early in the film, so I was being a little too nitpicky, but Ben's walking <laughs> down the rocks and he kind of stumbles on one of the rocks and I'm like, "What the and then he goes to take off his glasses, but forgets he has to do the scarf first, and then he goes back to the... And I was like, okay, I can't be this nitpicky with this movie. <laughs> Just these little things that he keeps forgetting, but... <laughs> yeah, going from there, goes to the bar, I think that whole scene was still relatively shades of the Justice League one as well, where he goes in, talks to the the owner of the establishment that they're in, and kind of the hired muscle is Jason Momoa, and I need to see. I need to talk to this guy who comes on the King's Tide, and that whole storyline that we know eventually gets revealed that he's Aquaman. They go for a walk out, dressed like a bat. That whole thing, and he swims off. And then we were serenaded <laughs> for six minutes. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on there. I mean, who doesn't want to be the chick smelling Jason Momoa's new knit sweater? Yeah. That's why that's there. We all would do it. I was like, is Fair this enough. an American horror story? What is this? this is such a weird scene. I was confused because I'm like, okay, like, I'm sure this song matters. I don't know what she's saying. Yeah. Yeah. Never comes up again. Uh, Unless you could tell me it was Hallelujah. I'm. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's so strange. I mean, I, that whole sequence is a lot of these things. Even going back to like seeing Jared Leto's Joker would be like really cool, like three minute shorts they put on YouTube somewhere. All the what ifs <laughs> or pitches for future projects that may yeah. ever be. When Machinima was a thing. Yeah, uh, man, a rip. Um, <laughs> but this scene is weird because they're treating him like these myths. He's like a god. I guess they're praying to him almost. And I, I'm yeah. assuming that's what the squire is all about. It's way too long for sure, uh, as is many things. Um, but if he's such a godlike character, why are they treating him like some regular balancer inside the building? They, no one treated him like a god in any other moment. And now all of a sudden they're like, oh, and it's like, because he's swimming? Or is he going to come back? Or it's just a, Don't leave us. Yeah, come back. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Get more beer. Oh, my. Yeah. It's very strange. <sighs> Another strange scene. But that, the recruitment doesn't work, and we get... This may be a hot take, but I think Jeremy Irons and Ben Affleck are the best Alfred Bruce duo in film. Jeremy Alfred. Irons is so fucking good as Alfred. Oh my god, he's so, so good. So yeah. good. Oh. Like I said, that whole Batman world's amazing. Like more of that. Like Alfred's incredible. Like oh god. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I'll give you all a little uh, tidbit, and I've said this before. Kyle probably knows. In the set visit, the plan for Alfred was to be in the final battle. Uh, running tactics for the squad. That's okay. the thing talk about the lack of communication and by this team. The, the yeah. actual Justice League doesn't spend any time together. No one talks. Superman yeah. doesn't talk to anyone. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah. Alfred was... The, the, I don't think I was supposed to be part of the plan. I, I feel like there was supposed to be more there. Or at least they, I was pitched that. But Alfred was going to be in the Flying Fox, the troop carrier, on a gun turret, like blasting parademons in that uh. fight and giving info and intel to the team. Um, I wish we got that, but... Uh, yeah. That would he have been amazing. Evolved, but just back at the back cave, I guess. But well, he was just Wait, waiting just, for Superman and just like you know, and then sending it, him yeah. in the right way. That's it. Yeah. But like earpieces or something, just yeah, have some sort of conversation because it really seemed like only their slow motion jump was like the only time you saw them sort of coordinate it. What did you guys think of that scene? In terms of what, like when they're approaching the whole overall base, it's or just like how cool was it? They charge and the five of them get in frame together, right? Yeah. It's that, like that uh, Age of Ultron scene where they hit very the hill. Much so, yeah. 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 Uh, it's. 
it's a money I, shot. I, for that, yeah. it was it was. Fu- I think it's fun action. I liked more of it. it, it this is hard because it's. I'm trying to remove like a, there's a chunk of this we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Like some of us have seen before, so anytime there was something new, I was like, "Oh, I felt refreshed." Ah, uh, yeah, true. Right, so that was cool. It's it was I, I think that the interpretation that they use of these characters works so much better when they're together, and that's like the strain I feel is the less they're in the movie together, right? So like the assembling of the team for the most part, wasn't really changed. I mean, there was less ass shots of Gal Gadot, so that was nice. <laughs> um, but, like, right? So, because in the... I'm trying to figure... So, he doesn't recruit Alf or recruit Aquaman. That doesn't go well. And then, are we on Themyscira next? Uh, yeah, is that where... I'm pretty sure, right? That's the first mother box is taken for Themyscira, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can't put Connie Nelson in this movie enough, at least for myself personally, because she's great as Queen Hippolyta. That was, I thought that scene was awesome. Like, it's mostly unchanged, but I think it's just longer. It, it might be. Uh, yeah, the, the the depiction of the Amazonians as these like, warriors and protectors is, like, top tier. It's very Zack Snyder, which is something I think the Patty Jenkins films are straying away from. Like, we can't forget, these are, like, the ultimate warriors, right? And they are mm-hmm. how these ancient battles, they're still trying to prevent from happening again so that was cool I wish they had some more context to why they're in this little building we've never seen before protecting the mother box and some yeah. context to like where was that in Wonder Woman or you know, it's just it, that's, it doesn't fit but on it's own it's cool I will, and I agree Connie Nielsen's incredible so I think the more of that the better for sure but the, the CGI in that sequence though when they're doing the chase is the weakest in the film I think it's the one thing that didn't work for me the the horse jumping the mother horses horse jumping. yeah yeah and, and it's weird because like snyder has done these vistas before in green screens where he, he adds more detail and depth to the background even in 300 which is way lower budget i felt like he did a better better job with that stuff in this it's very open green fields like a yeah. plain video game sequence they forgot there's a lot of sunlight too. and there's just nothing there and yet still the visuals are so incomplete so I, i'm shocked that one feels like the theatrical cut in, in a bad way you know um, yeah, that's fair. Well, and we get to see new. That's our real first introduction to new Steppenwolf, which is great. It's yeah. the opposite. He he's looks better, whereas everything else looks not great. Oh, he yeah. looks his like symbiotic or symbiotic metal suit is fucking awesome. Super cool. Yeah, <laughs> and he's intimidating. He's like he, I get that feeling mm-hmm. where like I, I keep quoting the Winter Soldier. When you see Bucky as the Winter Soldier, he's like, oh my god, this guy's a Terminator unit and he's lethal. When you see Steppenwolf now, he's like, oh, he's actually a real threat. Not this weird thing we saw in the other yeah. movie. Um, yeah, step most a step up. Step, step. Yeah. <laughs> step up. For sure. He's a Channing Tatum. Yeah. I will give him that. He's the Channing Tatum of this yeah. movie. He's the, he's the king beyond the wall of all things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, that whole scene was like great, and I loved like how it was just they were all there to sacrifice to keep that box away from him. Like they were knocking down those walls and they were willing to all die in that tomb just to get her out with the box It's awesome to bury these things. Like, yeah, definitely need a context as you mentioned, Rob, but the backstory behind that could have been super cool. Just why they were all built to that moment to have 200 of them standing in a circular room and, why this one girl was the chosen one to inch very slowly towards the box to touch it it mm. yeah like there's just some build up before that that would have been really cool but the whole scene was like the keep away elements to it 
that yeah, still cool. all worked. Yeah. yeah, it does. For all the visual issues, it does kind of work the, thematically and, and the character-wise. It, do, it does work. Uh, and it also ties in nicely to like the first Wonder Woman where like it is about doing what's right and sacrifice. Robin Wright's character being the best example of that, obviously. But yeah, really cool. And again, shows how powerful they are, right? So it's cool. You, as all they are, we haven't talked on The Flash yet, who hasn't got his name yet, technically. He did in the television show... I believe they said that's how he's going to get his name right, but maybe we kind of something, something. Yeah, it's something. So like he was in Suicide Squad. Yeah, he was also in Suicide Squad. True. Yeah, our right. our favorite, so, Sam's favorite, particularly Jai Courtney, who he just loves. He's Sam. Sam has a po- like a shirtless Jai Courtney poster. I know you guys can't see it because we're an audio <laughs> podcast, but he has it right behind him. It's a good poster, though. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah, I wish he. Yeah, just, I wish he had more clothes on, but whatever. Yeah, no, just, I don't understand why you have a mirror on the other side of the wall, so it looks like you have it twice. I just want to see it from all my peripherals. Yeah, so, uh, he's licking a boomer. It's weird. It's just a different post. What can I get? But, one of those? <laughs> I'll make you one. Thanks. <laughs> oh man. But yes, he takes. He gets taken down by the Flash, who Ezra Miller has come back, who we're still not sure if he choked that girl or not in real life in Iceland. But so we're not sure if Ezra Miller is a good guy yet. But from that, he's in this movie, and we get his backstory. At least he wants to hang out with dogs. And the oh man, that scene is fantastic. Like that is all of his comedic beats in this movie. I think as a whole, I, this is maybe Zach's funniest movie where like, it's not unintentionally funny yeah, that's and any, it was shocking to see what comedic beats they decided to replace. That to me was baffling. Yeah. Like, cause the whole thing with the dog and seeing him use his power to unnamed Iris. I think if you've been following it, you know, it's Iris but she's not named or anything, which that it's just have her have a name tag or something. Or let them speak. I don't maybe. know. Or let them speak. <laughs> yeah. But it's it. This is all. This is taking from uh, Amazing Spider-Man One, right? Just pure awkward. They're standing at each other. But I guess in general, like, how did you guys feel about the way they used uh, the speed force power or the, the speed in general? I thought it looked awesome. Yeah, like. Obviously, I'm up to date on a lot of the CW stuff. That's what I talk about. And The Flash being one of them, they have to differentiate that if they're going to do them both. For some reason, having two actors play the same character is baffling to someone. I still say it's someone high in Warner Brothers doesn't get it. And they're the ones enforcing this whole thing. But we got to differentiate it somehow. I really do like the blue lightning and everything kind of slows down and it's almost like there's a wind in the room still and that whole elements of him running to the window and like kind of tapping through it and it just shatters completely and it seems like this is the fastest flash we've seen at this point like this early i would assume in his powers still well, he has rules right like that was like is part of his character we see is that like he's clearly done something right like why would he just be like uh if i go it's the speed of time i don't like doing it it's like my like why is he telling us this like hopefully this is again addressed in whatever form we get with the muschetti film 
but the the whole use of slow motion and what I liked about it was we didn't just get I mean we've had a lot of sim- cinematic speedsters right we've had technically two and a half quicksilvers um we've had the CW flash which is usually a CG double or some air cannons or just real tight shots on Grant Gustin and like I like the CW show but you are tasked again with having to do something differently. So like we get this slow classic Snyder slow-mo scene with Iris and it was hilarious. One of Nalina's notes was she Iris wasn't driving that fast. How did the car <laughs> just completely like kick out from hitting a corner of the truck? It was an old and style said, car. It wasn't built the same. Yeah. It's got one of those air cannons yeah. they use to flip the truck in the Dark Knight. It has a launch pad whenever she wants to launch herself out of it. <laughs> yeah, just it's a, a catapult button, car. Yeah. <laughs> and then we got him kind of just sort of blipping in and out in the sewer scene. I'm like, okay, this is mostly what it's going to be. And then seeing him, I think, well, there's two scenes. The one where he was moving all the debris, which we kind of seen pieces of in the trailer, was really cool way of doing it like so we get to see again we don't know how fast he's moving but the per- we, we get a perspective on it from all the different people who work at star labs of just the silhouette kind of pasted all over i don't know why i'm making hand gestures nobody can see them which i'll just <laughs> not to compare them here but just take a brief pause with quicksilver going super slow motion and them setting it to a track and then just Ezra Miller's just kind of just slow motion. Which do you prefer? Oh, you're talking... Okay, so yeah. let, uh, let's throw out Apocalypse, right? Because it was just a rehash of Days of Future Past? Yeah, like, essentially, yeah, just, right? just like how Quicksilver set to music and how that's stylized as compared to Ezra Miller's Flash. I... Not because I have a preference, because I, I love Days of Future Past. They're, they're trying to do different things... Right? Like, this is... It's... I mean, you could compare fruits, I guess. But to me, this is like Chinese food and pizza. They're both awesome. But the... Grant... Or the... Not Grant Gustin. I'm getting my Flash people. The Days of Future Past scene is supposed to mostly be comedic. I I would assume, right? It's just gags. He's... People are punching each other. He's wedging dudes. He's moving bullets. And then this scene, I think it's supposed to feel like this intimate scene with him where he's potentially falling in love with this woman he's never spoken to, right? Or maybe he's grown up with her. We don't know which version of their relationship that they're establishing. So as somebody who tends to prefer the drama, if I have to pick one, I would go with the Ezra Miller one because I feel something's only funny for so long. It's like the more comedic Marvel movies. I love the MCU. I have a harder time with those rewatches because a piece can only, I can only laugh at the same of, to use an example of Mark Ruffalo face planting into the Bifrost. I'm at my limit at this point. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, the, the, with the flash, even though it's the first time we're seeing him really in this universe fleshed out uh, it's part of his character in the whole movie with the Quicksilver scenes he's kind of in and out he gets his one big moment for the cool sequence shot in all of them and then he's gone whereas this just kind of takes elements from if you actually think about it he sort of takes inspiration or these ideas from all the different speedsters we've seen and then has the Zack Snyder flair on top of it so like the hyper detailed the cool visual colors and I do like the blue lightning I think that's really cool and that's I think one of the most 
consistent and impressive visuals of the whole film is the use of the flash powers. Uh, this is kind of a cool visual scene. I, I actually, funny, Kyle, I, I disagree on the humor part. For me, I actually liked Flash's humor in the, in the theatrical cut, not not the Wonder Woman related stuff or whatever. But you know, in that movie as a whole, he, he was it was the first time seeing him. So I thought he's, he's the funny character of the bunch. He's kind of like the younger Peter Parker, goofy guy. It was hard kind of getting away from Grant Gustin because I think Gustin's great. Um, in this movie, though, the first the couple of jokes we see him, it didn't work for me. Like him with the dogs trying to get the job with the hot dog, I'm like that didn't really work for me. But in the back half of the movie, I think he's very strong. His comedy works, and that final set piece where he goes mm-hmm. like full on speed force time travel, it's like that is insanely impressive and so much different than the stupid theatrical cut. So I was very happy how that turned out. And this is another character. Even we're talking about how Iris and him setting rules about how to use time travel this is another example of like man why didn't they tell that story first before introducing this character you're just throwing in this guy who seems in some moments it seems like he has a lot of history in other moments it seems like it's his first day in the job I, I can't tell who this is and who he knows and why he has his rules or if he's done this before if he hasn't none of it makes sense it's just like the thing of kerosene like we need context like build up to this stuff and it's just an unfortunate reality like we didn't get a flash story first He's just he's the guy we saw on the screenshot in BBS. And it's like, man, I really wish we saw... A very good-looking Jewish boy who looks exactly right. like... And, and I was saying this. We talked about Cyborg having heart and his emotional beats. Another one of the greatest set of scenes in the entire film is with his dad when in prison, Billy Crudup. Like, what a mind-blowingly impressive performance, which is, again, with so little context and story development, all thrown away, they didn't do it. And then have those moments, like, you just... It tells you everything you need to know about them, right? It's so impressive. And not to derail the conversation, it's heartbreaking that they can't get Billy Crudup back uh, for the Flash movie. Oh, my God. It's like, I how know. do you ever top it? It doesn't matter who, oh. how amazing the actor they, is. They, they had announced something. it was Ron Livingston's going to replace him today. Right? Who's great. Yeah. He kind of has yeah. a look yeah. to him, but but, but yeah. he, he, we've already seen this. You know what I mean? How do you top yeah. it? Oh, so. Billy Crudup's such a strong actor in like, any role he takes on. 100%. But laying that groundwork, I'm glad you brought that up, Rob, of, like, that mantra he hears from his dad, which seems like a, just a thing. Like, we make your own future. Like, it, you're like, okay, he just wants his son to do whatever. And for that to be in that moment when he travels backwards through time, like, seeing that in the way they do it, that's probably in my some of, one of my favorite comic book scenes. Just, the like, the score and the, the use of visuals, like Sam talked about. Like, it's that is pure eye candy totally. and powerful and it was surprising again because we're coming at the theatrical cut the way that it was handled is just it's awesome it really is mm-hmm. yeah I, I don't think I would have guessed that the Flash would have been like basically the savior of the whole movie essentially at the end right I mean you think they would have thrown that to old, good old Superman so I don't know if we want to talk about uh, about that guy turns out he's uh He's a little grumpy when he wakes up. In the, right? <laughs> I mean, who's not? Um, I'll start by saying I was actually surprised how much of the theatrical cut remained, uh, even when the, the wake-up scene, like when he goes to like the monument, which is decrepit now, right? It's still like kind of like a weird half-night, half-daytime, and no one's around, but there's Lois Lane's there, but now for a different reason. And same, I wish I could give more context to this because you haven't seen that version. But like, they had that sort of same fight where he's kind of like, you know, uh, they're against each other for a moment and Lois Lane pulls him out of out of that mode. 
do you bleed? <laughs> yeah, it just, it, that was kind of a, a little weird. Uh, but also, like, just the visuals on that, because uh, we were always told like that was supposed to be a night shot, and Joss Whedon ruined it. Then we see it in this movie, and it's still kind of an early morning day shot. It was never a night shot, so that was all, I guess, fabricated. Um, more industry weirdness, but um, yes, very grumpy. I'm surprised he didn't do more damage <laughs> to the Justice League in that moment. <laughs> well, do we want to talk about specifically that moment he stopped? Because there's yeah. been a there's been development on that. I don't know if everybody's seen it since. So there's the tease of the pregnancy test. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. Which and not really a tease. I, they like kind of just straight up oh, it's hold there. on it's, to yeah, that. It's, here's the <laughs> yeah. She's got pregnancy test uh, one P stick yeah. or whatever. And so it was confirmed. But I get in. This is one of those things where it's like you're hearing about it and then watching it. I I think I noticed it more in that this it makes sense that this would happen so when superman is angry and grumpy and he, it almost the way that's presented at least the way that i took it maybe it was just me that he's almost like going through his powers like it's almost like because in the man of steel version like he developed it seemed anyways like s- certain things at certain points right like he got all his senses when he was in school or it's been slowly happening right because the way his mom talks to him about focusing mm-hmm. that well you're dead so he's not demonstrating any of his powers and then being brought back to life, potentially flight being the first one. And then like his super, his, all the senses coming back that when he sees Lois, he likely, according to Zach, he sees a, a baby, which is, I don't know. It seems like a weird tack on. Yeah, after the fact in the but movie. But if though. the pregnancy test wasn't in there, I probably would have felt the same, yeah, yeah. but it is. And we do see him X-ray visioning all the other people, so we're not told yeah. that he's turned that off. It's not super explicit. Like obviously, you'd have to put those pieces together. So yeah. it's hard to to really go one way or the other. I just feel like you know it was always going to be Lewis or Lois, and uh... <laughs> that's an entirely different yeah, movie, Lewis <laughs> <Lewis> Lane. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean like. He, so uh, the main difference, right, from what I understand, is that Superman gets a black outfit this time. And there's no pregnancy test in the other version. Okay. Yeah. Which is <laughs> quite a change. Also, yeah. the Lois... I can't I still can't get over this Martian Manhunter scene where <laughs> Martha is actually an alien. Uh, you think it's Martian Manhunter's kid? It probably is. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be. Don't tell Steven that. He already has this thing about Marthen Manhunter. Where it's been, it's been, he's, a, he's, a, he's actually been Martha the whole time. So there's time. two Marthas and a Marthan? Oh, man. No, there's only one Martha. There's only, there's, there's a John Jones and there's one Martha. Jesus. Maybe he's what both if he's their parents. Just been Martha? Um, he's been the only Martha. He's actually both. the mom of both yeah. heroes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, man. This whole thing just—we gotta text Zach right now. Yeah, figure this. <laughs> out. I have to say though, seeing Flash just running up because, and seeing Superman's eye move because he's tracking him, I've seen it. Like I saw the theatrical twice, and then it's still in- awesome. Great I think, like yeah. the like the re- Flash realizing, oh crap! Like he has super speed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's t- let's talk about the black suit. 
because it's a famous scene where he goes to the Kryptonian ship and he sees all these Kryptonian armors in his classic suit and then he looks at something and then boom he decided to change his wardrobe for some reason um what do you guys think this is so it's so hard because this is like you obviously being a professional rob you're in the minutia of this stuff but but just being a hardcore fan and knowing well he the whole thing was shot in the red suit and then if we're going to talk about the theatrical that suit that we see that's red and blue in this version in the uh in the scout ship was switched to black in the theatrical as a nod to fans like that to me was the equivalent of like OG X-Men like what do you want us to do dress up in red and blue spandex like that that suits in there for that sake but there's no pod of the black suit so it's that this is a rare thing I'm going to say it almost would have made more sense if they color corrected that suit we see in the scout ship as black still so at least we know it was there. Yeah. Um, also, why does he just change his suit? <laughs> like, they yeah, don't explain that part. Of me. I, yeah. I understand the comics and the, it's cool. Look, visuals, marketing. But like in terms of the confines of the story, uh, Superman 2.0 comes out. Why does he's like, I want to go with the non-color version this time? I'm just curious. Yeah. They don't explain that. It, um, it was the exact same thing as in Spider-Man 3, where he just starts putting his hair right over one eye and he starts doing a little dance and he just starts wearing darker clothes yeah pushing waitresses and jazz clubs he's gonna throw a little dirt in your eye Brock he's emo Superman now that's what he's doing I loved all of the Clark stuff in this version like I'm a sucker for anytime they like you have Russell Crowe and Kevin Costner's narration from the first movie that four times in goosebumps every time like the building to flight 2.0 which is essentially a really hard hop from the ground was yeah and it's the fan serviceness of the black suit that is you're right rob that's exactly what it is and i ate it up (laughs) (laughs) i i didn't run into that problem until i saw like a tweet a couple days ago where it was like he just kind of decides to wear it and i was like that's right he, there was no actual story element leading up to this. No, I just it, got it, real excited. I wish there was some sort of reason to just say it's the only suit available or something. That would have been fine. Yeah, but it's yeah, like, yeah. they really deal with like the symbolism of the hope and, the, and that suit. It means it's so iconic. And he's just like, nah, I'm just going to wear the black thing this time because Batman wears black. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to wear black too. We'll be matching. It'll be cool. And it's like... <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> it's weird because, okay, like this is one of the... Uh, it's Because this is this was a conflict with Zach in the studio. No, he's got to be in red and blue, right? So they didn't even bother constructing totally. it, right? The whole black and red, or the black and red, the whole black and gray cape in this is all color corrected, yep. right? He shot in the red suit. But Man of Steel, when we see Zod and Jorel, I don't think Lara, we see her in, in a suit. They're all in, in Feora and uh, Giant motherfucker they're all in black so like there's context that these black versions exist you're right it's story-wise it's we know it's there we also know you see it on on krypton too like they have outfits but it's also clan based i think both the symbol and the suits yeah and also with the yeah it's weird because you do see them in tight suits and like armor suits it's weird it's fine i just wish like he in this movie though it's literally it's all available there's multiple suits and he chose this versus the color classic suit so i wish they had a motivation for the change or a story I think mm-hmm. the easiest solution would have been him falling into a container of tar or something, and then black for the rest of the movie, feathers, yeah. the whole right. bit. Jared Leto gives him a color bath. 
just like he's learning to fly and he falls into ace chemicals. yeah there you go <laughs> we'll take it back to iron man one he's walking by the red and blue pod and right beside floating is a little mustache and he goes next time <laughs> <laughs> next time baby uh, that's funny but it is so yeah, yeah it's, oh, but, it's strange it's strange but when he shows up like this is another huge change in the theatrical Cyborg just gets ripped like if we're just talking about Superman pieces Cyborg gets ripped apart when Steppenwolf when Steppenwolf is trying to prevent him from logging into the mm-hmm. Unity which I don't know why he needed to be ripped into pieces Oh boy! Because <laughs> yeah, here we go. Because, because. Snyder. <laughs> because yeah. But and so, so when Superman shows up and says, "Not impressed," that impressed me. And then I made note of this. I did have notes. This is one of the f- rare occurrences I think in all film where Superman kicks someone. Interesting. I yeah. Brandon Routh certainly has never kicked anybody. Uh, I've never thought I can't of that. Think we, anyone kicking. Well, I, I feel like this right? happened. I, maybe Dean Cain did it in the old show. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. Talking about him, but, he did lots yeah. of things. Yeah. It might have been a PA. Yeah. <laughs> uh, allegedly uh, joking. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's the golden standard. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, just feels like something he would do. I loved him just kicking ass, like. Unf- like it reminded me of a scene in the Justice League cartoon where he just can let like obviously the Superman has I would think he was probably using a smidge of restraint when he was throwing around Ben Affleck in BVS yes because I mean if he wanted to kill him he'd be dead yeah. so like seeing him completely unleash every like all of his abilities I, we don't get freeze breath enough like, I'm glad we saw it a little bit. It's never used enough. It was added in, like, the 70s just for shits and giggles. Like, we, can we just retcon that one out? It's never used. But seeing him, like, punch him into the wall and then just be like, blip, and then he's coming right down for the, the haymaker. Yeah. They definitely made him a god, which is awesome. Like, he shows up, and yeah. you feel like, oh, my God, what a presence. And then he just, like, completely owns Steppenwolf, who otherwise has been crushing these battles most of the time, right? So, yeah, really awesome. And I love how he's, like... Not to not a negative comparison to video games, but he's just like he's literally acting like a god. He floats everywhere. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. He's above. Then he's just like, oh my gosh, and intimidating. Um, so I think I feel like because he's so lethal, that's f- more reason to wear this black suit than the one that represents hope and happiness, whatever. Um, right. But still, yeah, super impressive. But it makes it makes me wish we had more of Superman. Like I wish we had not Superman saving the day as this godlike plot device I, I wish I had him as a member of the team a little more And this he bar- yeah he doesn't really interact with the team right like he kind of just Nobody shows up to save the day that yeah moment. Uh, other than the, that's true the fight they kind of do tactically and helping each other yeah. out but there's no like I this is a weird comparison so bear with me but I remember like and in, in Kyle may remember this going back to like the Transformers movies there's never a scene where the <laughs> Autobots just sit there and talk like, where's Optimus sitting at a table with his boys and be like, hey, this is what we're going to do with this Epic Guns today. Not, nobody talks to each other. And in this movie, we get all these heroes together and Superman shows up and we never get that round table scene. You know what I mean? Like, I kind of yes. wish we had a 
team or people are talking or doing something, you get them standing. They need a cool place to kick it. Is yeah, what but you're it saying. was a problem with the Avengers. One, people are like, get them. They fight together because then out of necessity, and Hulk comes in to save the day. This is kind of very much that. Whereas the Avengers two, for all its problems, the best scenes are when they're just hanging out, lounging around. And I'm not saying yeah. Justice League should take time to hang around. They spent too much time doing other stuff already. But I do wish the team is here finally the second time around because we didn't do it right the first time and we may never see him again let them talk let's just get them together and I wish that was part of the plan because um, some of my favorite pieces of the concept art from the set were like them at a table in the bat hangar you don't really get that much outside of one little planning scene so um, it's a shame because Superman is so kick-ass yeah. and I kind of want to see him be part of the team so maybe next time or not <laughs> we'll see and I guess if We'll play. Uh, we'll play. If there was a future to this, would it worry you that he was so powerful to take on Steppenwolf yet Steppenwolf could own the other five? Do you think that creates any friction? A guy that's that OP compared to the rest of the team all put together? I don't think so. Because if we're if we're doing ifs, right? Like this whole thing builds to Lois is dead, and I guess. If we're going with what Zach has said, like she was also maybe they either lost the kid while she was pregnant or kid is likely also dead. Right. So we've seen the version we that I really liked this. Um, the we we've seen two alternate versions of this future. Like we got a piece in BVS and we get what was likely the prequel to that with cyborg seeing it when they're logging into the ship right because that what he sees ends with superman holding batman's mask which is what how the nightmare dream ended or i guess the nightmare ended for ben affleck in bvs ue before flash showed up in his dope ass apocalypse outfit saying like lois is the key and then the nightmare that we briefly talked about i'm assuming is now like if we use the back to the future timeline which is the only way i've been able to figure this out is like the nightmare we saw in batman versus superman was main timeline and that flash came back and created this new one so we got to see pieces from both futures like batman that's the only way that i've been able to have it make sense yeah, trying to justify is tough because he also Jared Leto saying how many timelines have you refused to sacrifice yourself? So it kind of hints at they've been trying this forever. This is a loop until they until they get sure, it right. Yeah. But they can explain it anyway. This is the yeah. whole thing with the multiverse plot device where it's like none of it actually makes sense. We could try to piece it together until we see more. But I can just tell you, in one of these timelines that um, that kid, that baby is actually uh, Bruce Wayne's kid. Because Snyder keeps talking about that too. As a, I got a T-shirt with that on it. <laughs> so it's like they're just—it it just show. It goes to show, like really, there's not a clear plan. There never was. There's what yeah. he pitched. There's what he pitched after it backfired. There's the recut version, and even now he's saying things which don't fit what we've seen on screen. So I'm like, man, I have no idea what they're gonna do. I kind of want to see all these versions though at this point. So uh, it's yeah. tough, but. All right, so we've hu- we've touched on Superman, we've touched on mostly Batman, we've touched on Flash. Do we want and Cyborg? Do we want to talk about? I guess all we got left is really Aquaman, right? Yeah, there's only we six. About his recruitment scene, which didn't quite work out. Yeah, yeah, with him. Yes. Yeah, and then he comes back when they're in the sewer system in Gotham Harbor, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And before that, Why he does... has his Volco scene and everything, That's right? right? Where he goes to get the trident. Yes, all the Volco stuff that got cut. And that illustrious yeah. hair. Which is, yeah. It was before Volko discovered a man bun, obviously. 
Hey, he's something. He's something of a scientist. He'll figure it out. Uh, um, I feel like Aquaman wasn't really given much dramatically to do. Like, no, he was kind of just really just muscle, you know, holding it down he, with that trident. Yeah, it was Quindent. just like badass scene, badass scene. Yeah. Do we? And even the stuff we did get didn't fully line up with the movie. I found. I agree. I don't know. If- it mo. I think it mostly does be like this. It, I've. You're playing kind of like I felt every time I'm trying to think about like what they did moving forward. You're kind of juggling things in your head like, okay, so the if we use Aquaman, like you have to move all the prequel scenes prior to this. So he obviously knows Volko. He has some control of the Quindent and we know his mother dipped. So that would explain why like he's got this relationship with Volko. But I guess it's supposed to be potentially when this is like why i guess zach has said like i've got my own corner and they've kind of done what they've done on their own right it's this is the first time this has really ever been an issue right like mcu has succeeded in everything has been our in our continuity except for the stuff we tell you is unimportant like all the netflix shows and all the abc shows non marvel studio stuff i think non non marvel because kevin feige and jeff loeb are they hate each other Uh, (laughs) allegedly but I guess we're led to believe he's not really been talking to his dad. It's a different continuity. Um, yeah. And there's a couple of reasons and examples. Well, first of all, in the, in the plot of this film, when he shows up in the harbor and he's got the costume and the trident, that didn't make sense to me because I was like, what was he doing? Like, did, he, was he, did he just swim across the ocean like that or was he waiting there? Like, it was a weird... Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a missing sequence there or there's something should have been added to kind of... Where he's self-reflecting or he's talking to someone and something gets, gets him in and there... It's just not there. So that's another example of like this movie's so long, but it also feels too short. Because Aquaman is the least service, like you were saying, Samuel. Um, and, and yeah, when he goes down to be Volko, I was happy to see that because on set, a big thing they talked about was like the armor and the, and the designs of this tiny little piece of Atlantis with the old throne and the, and the, the tridents there. And then um, they're designed to how they would handle the powers underwater, but also like the costumes and designs of the characters, Mera and Volko, who again do not line up with their characters in the Aquaman movie, including Mera, his first meeting with Arthur here is not the same as the first meeting in yeah. Aquaman. It, it, <clears throat> they don't, it breaks the continuity. But also, looking at the characters themselves, Arthur's got white eyes in this movie, orange eyes in the other one, because James Wan yeah, didn't yeah. like that. Uh, Mera has an accent and different color hair and a different <laughs> costume. It's like, you know what I mean? And Volko has yeah. a different costume and different hair and kind of a, I don't know, otherwise I guess he's the same. But very strange how, they, how much they differentiated the Aquaman movie. And I did wish... Like with Themyscira, I guess we didn't really see Themyscira too much outside of the one building on the shoreline. And same thing with Aquaman. We don't actually get to see Atlantis. You get to see this tiny little ruin, which seems so far from Atlantis, where they're protecting the mother box with like four people, I guess. Um, very strange <laughs> sequence. But yeah. I did like how they had a hint of talking like a dolphin, the clicks in the water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of wish we kind of kept on that because I kind of takes a serious and realistic take on this is how they communicate fish sort of without it being dumb so um, but yeah I kind of wish he got more oh the one scene I did like though is when he's arguing with Bruce Wayne about Cyborg saying he just lost his father man like he's actually kind of like the down to earth guy in this whole crew (laughs) which was nice to see yeah Yeah, the the literal fish out of water somehow has the best understanding of humanity right it's it is. It made me cringe watching that scene when that's happening, like just before they leave to go to 
nuclear plant because in the theatrical there's where there's that scene where before I guess they've discovered it where it's obviously a Riju where Ben Affleck's like you like can you put out like a thing into the ocean and Aquaman's looking like what the fuck are you talking about? It was like you do talk to fish right like, yeah oh, I'm so glad that was gone <laughs> yeah that and the Russian family I was completely oh, okay with God. not showing up in this because every time they were bombing around that city I was like oh yeah that family <laughs> I'm so glad Superman picks it. up an entire apartment yeah. complex yeah awful. it's just awful yeah that yeah that oh. end action scene definitely took a step up cutting out more than putting in oh man and I guess we can sort of start wrapping up with that the end scene is or the end fight scene is quite similar to what we saw just more fluidity to the action and we've touched on Superman showing up to fight Steppenwolf he I guess loses one of his antlers we'll call him or ear whatever we want to call it and yeah in the final team up they behead him right through a boom tube at apocalypse feet and he kind of does like the soccer ball catch with it and completes the step (laughs) and from that he just kind of turns around but we see granny goodness and decide and they kind of are going off to formulate new plans for a sequel (laughs) <laughs> Upco- upcoming Zack Snyder Justice League sequel to be announced. They'll be planning for a while, I'm assuming. Yes. But what what do we think of Apocalypse then on this one? We can end on him. Uh, I mean, I think the problem is people have with Steppenwolf in the first movie. You can apply the dark side here a little bit. Um, he, he's intimidating, I guess, but not really because in the, in the in the history lesson, he gets owned, right? In yeah. And now he comes back and it's like, ah, this guy's not a... We already beat you. Uh, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Uh, coming from someone who, like, who doesn't really know the difference between Steppenwolf and Darkseid, really, like, I, you could kind of get the sense that obviously one is higher up in the hierarchy or whatever, but, like, in terms of how much more powerful Darkseid is, like, I don't really know. So, judging just by the movie itself, like, uh, he's intimidating looking, but I don't really know what else they should be intimidated about you know it's another tease for what could have been I guess in a trilogy where you develop that you know same sort of thing you can compare everyone will compare to like Thanos showing up as a cameo in the end of the Avengers right teeing these guys a part of the larger plan but this is like a three movie arc and this is the end and the beginning that we talked about earlier whereas Marvel had 12 movies before we got there or something so it's unfortunate we can't see where that's going but I I, one thing with that whole villain group I don't like is how they keep saying you owe me 50,000 worlds we conquered 100,000 worlds I'm like how much time have you spent conquering worlds like, what did you learn from this experience and I kind of yeah. wish they got more into the anti-life equation and all this kind of stuff they just keep throwing around stuff and it's like when I, I try to wrap my head around the scale of what they're talking about versus how effective they are in combat I can't how, put it all together <laughs> how did they lose track of earth like so easily like if they came down there <laughs> they got their ass kicked yeah. down there 5,000 years is a yeah. long ass yeah but like uh, you would think okay I, we got our asses handed to us like yeah. we would remember that planet I yeah, figured you'd yeah. make a mark on that. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe they lost battles in like twenty thousand worlds out of the hundred thousand. That is actually yeah. successful. Justice they're just things. not. They didn't count those ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, it's funny. Like, I think a lot of our cr- valid criticisms are kind of wrap up in like this is 
up this was the mi- almost middle phase for all like leading to all the stuff and now that we know we aren't getting that stuff like how long ago did they announce the ava duvernay new gods movie that's like a couple years not happening right so or is is in development hell that would be my assumption knowing nothing because we haven't really heard anything from her and like ray porter who i think gives an amazing voice to dark side he hasn't like the the only connection we have to this character in a film world is what I thought was a really well done CGI model who yeah, obviously Rob was right gets his ass kicked and then stands around being like what the fuck step in like get your shit together and decides like oh you know fuck it we're going back but we know nothing else of what we're gonna like we're not gonna get new gods like we're not gonna see Orion and All Father and Mr. Miracle and all this stuff. Yeah. It, it, had they followed a plan and executed on the original plan, which was, you know, last year they should have had Justice League Part Two and Green Lantern Corps. It would have been all... It, so the Green Lantern setup would have made sense and some of these solo movies they could have gone back and retconned. Like, it's the same thing with Marvel. Like, there are things they do that don't quite work, but we already know they're going to be five, six movies and some of those movies will make it better. Like, WandaVision makes Age of Ultron better a little bit. You know what I mean? Uh, seeing Black Widow in the future movies made her scenes in Iron Man 2 make a lot more sense to me. It actually plays out better. I'm sure a lot of the character scenes that don't quite fit in the Themyscira Aquaman scenes, had they followed that vision and those versions of characters and fleshed it out and had a plan, same with Green Lantern, then that stuff maybe would have been better. But what you're saying about uh, New Gods is one of many. If you remember like this time period, Warner Brothers, who claimed to be filmmaker-friendly, took pitches and had scripts for like 40 different projects. Nightwing, multiple Batgirl, everything. You name a character, they have some kind of... Booster Gold, and it's like, what? There's no plan. They're just taking random scripts and directors. Everyone's attaching and pitching to everything. Even James Gunn, they brought him in and said, hey, pitch on any project you want. Here's 50 characters. And he's like, I'll just do Suicide Squad again, sort of. Um, Why? It's because they want to make a cool movie. It's it's not connecting to any the previous movies. It doesn't make any sense. So that's the problem when you do all this setup and these details, and then no one plays along, and you don't execute a plan. Now we have this chapter, or a group of chapters, that are missing beginnings, middles, and ends. And it really hurts the experience. As, a, as an individual product, this is such a freaking mess. It is absurdly messy. But man, like all of what could have been and all the things they fixed still, knowing that, very impressive. It's just unfortunate it could not be a great thing on its own, or more importantly for fans and all of us, like could not be a great middle chapter in something that was so much bigger and part of a bigger world, you know? So it's yeah. frustrating to think about the real lack of the big picture of it just have all these stories on one whiteboard and not just individual stories on individual whiteboards it seems like yeah that that overarching again we got to go with the blueprints as what's work so kevin feige that overseeing all-knowing guy who's got the story all and they made it seem like Zack snyder was going to be in that role yeah but it never really seemed like as they were announcing stuff those thorough lines were actually that deep and he had a plan. He was there. I mean, think of all the casting decisions he made, even for, like, random supporting characters. Like, Iris, she is going to be, you know, Kiersey's coming back for The Flash. It's like, genius moves. Or, like, Will of Defoe in a tiny little scene. And it's like, man, he became this thing in Aquaman. Like, he did all the groundwork and then never got to be involved, really, outside of a producer role in all the other films. And all the other films, which most of which come from different production companies, just showing you how messy it is, um, don't really honor that or don't want to. Or they've been told not to. So, um it's weird. Even James Wan coming in. Well, how many directors did Flash have? They're on right? six, like, number six, right? Yeah. yeah. So, 
Yeah, and 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 how many times is Cyborg supposed to be part of that in all those scripts? <laughs> all of them except the current one. <laughs> so yikes, uh, it's a shame. <sighs> By the way, speaking of Flash, how do they delay this movie thirty-five times? Go through thirty-five scripts, and now they're ready to make it, but they don't wait for Billy Crudup to come back. I can't get over this Billy Crudup thing. <laughs> it's it is even more frustrating. Now that the movies come out, like we we saw him in what I guess they're considering canon with Justice, right? So it's like, okay, great, Billy Crudup, and then we get to see more of it, and it's great. And then the well, we're never really sure, like how the pan- pandemic fucked all everything up. Like Marvel has, for, like fortunately, it for the most part seems like they've been able to stick to what the initial plan was. I don't think anything's really shifted position. Black Widow doesn't really fucking well, it, matter because Eternals it's got pushed back behind the other movies uh, a little bit, and then One Division yeah. came first when it was supposed to be second. That's minor changes. Okay, but overall, like they're finally making it because Muschietti has made. I mean, I like both its so it's it'll be interesting. It's got to be what, like the if Keaton's in it, if Affleck's coming, like it's got to be something with all those timelines where they just waited out. Where it's like we got the big pieces here we gotta let something go to make this actually come to fruition cause it seems like it seems like there's a lot of moving pieces even behind the scenes I'll still hold out for that McConaughey Ebert Thon thing but it's not there but I know <laughs> but goddamn, I'll hold that to heart and yeah there's just it's gotta be something along those lines where they just had to make that decision if this movie's getting made we gotta let Crudup go cause he was only gonna be in like three jail cell scenes maybe <laughs> judging by the way they're building up this story to what we think it's going to be they're not going to spend a lot of time with that character anyway well I mean the mom is the most important part yeah. of what everyone is assuming they're doing so yeah I think <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. yeah exactly it's, uh, yeah. It's, uh, this podcast was sponsored by wild yeah. speculation it's hard to say yeah I, I'm pretty sure we can all probably guessed and speculated Warner, Warner Brothers is very happy to distance itself from what just came out on HBO Max so if they had to replace Crudup and drop Cyborg and replace some other characters and make everyone look different and focus on Keaton and not Ben Affleck then why not who cares It's they can solve two problems with one movie they spent a lot of time developing <laughs> I will take the five more minutes of Ben Affleck as Batman though yeah. hell yeah for sure yeah any Batfleck is good Batfleck and we got a whole bunch of it in Zack Snyder's Justice League we'll wrap it up with our final remarks here we can take it to the patented Rickman scale so in honor of the late Alan Rickman we have our scale from 0 to 10 you can do point fives, and at the end we will give an average of our total scores to let you know how many Golden Rickmans Zack Snyder's Justice League will get Sam Starting to you. What are you thinking? Um, I think we've pretty much illustrated that the movie uh, is enjoyable, but is a mess. It's like a beautiful mess. And I I, I really liked watching it. It was a good experience. Um, I'm just going to give it a solid seven. Big old seven on the board. All right. Uh, we'll go to myself next. And as I've explained in the past, I got a nice mini scales to make up my 10. So story gets out of three, production gets out of three, and my entertainment out of four to make up 10. Story, I think, was the 
weakest part, just judging by the cuts that could have been, the extra bloating and whatnot, production, a, a few shaky scenes, but overall, just the stylization that Zack Snyder brings. It's hard to ignore. And entertainment, far more entertained than I was going to anticipate going into this because bar was set lower, I guess, just judging by the amount of hype that was behind this. I had to have some doubts that maybe this would not live up to all this hype and this passion that went into getting this thing released. So seven and a half out of ten is what I will give Zack Snyder's Justice League. Kyle? I'm last. Go last. I want to know okay. what Rob's Rob number last. is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It's such a weird thing. I, it's, it's, I feel like I need to throw 10,000 disclaimers, but I won't to save us all a headache. But um, it's not a normal movie product. Uh, and it's like I can recommend it so easily to some people, and I cannot at all to others. Uh, just for, for the wild thing this is, for like the DC fans out there, I, I think around, I'd probably go with seven as well. Seven. All right. And Kyle, with the last last review here, what's it gonna be? You gonna you gonna go with the big one oh? No, it's it's not a ten. It's I I'd wish I'd said it because then I could take credit for it, but Rob's saying there's so much around this that it is near impossible for myself personally to separate all of the things I can absolutely admit it this movie has flaws and is bloated but did that detract from my experience it didn't it really didn't I was blown away after the first viewing that on the second viewing no third third viewing where I was like I know I only have two hours and two hours for this no, that was the fourth viewing. <laughs> How <laughs> I'm losing track. How like wow, that was already two hours is gone by. And saying that of a four-hour movie, I think in itself is an accomplishment. So with this, I'm not going with an with a ten. I'm gonna give it an eight point five because I had such a high bar for this, and the fact that it was able to meet what I was hoping it would be, it made me really happy. Well, there we go. Everyone has entered their scores in and 7.5 on average. Golden Rickmans. So Cool, it's very positive. It's it's a very positive movie. One of the few we've actually got to do and with that we are grateful that we can sort of start building a train of good movies for once. We were on a little bit of a rough patch but following Raya and White Tiger we're, can I ask, we're going on some... Can I ask how those scored on average? Absolutely. Uh, Raya? Raya had an 8. Oh, wow. That's Coming to America was 5.8. White Tiger, 7.6. And we can go back <laughs> further from that. Let's just get Rob's numbers for <laughs> yeah. all of them. 7, 5, 6, 2, our, <laughs> st- Still our highest that we've reviewed so far is Palm Springs at 8.17. Oh, I love Palm Springs. That was a great movie. Yeah. I would have given yeah. that a 9. And low. And what's our lowest, Ryan? What's our lowest? <laughs> we can be heroes. Was our lowest at two point three. Oh, I am wow. That, so, yeah, shameful. Gonna... It's a that's a viewer beware. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we can start wrapping up our episode. We will say thank you to our guest Rob Keys who came on. Thank you guys. It was sir. fun. That was it was good, definitely fun. You can topic. check him out on. It was a good topic. It yeah. sparked some conversation, we'll say. 
Uh, he's on Twitter, Rob underscore Keys. That's K E Y E S on Twitter. That's right. If you want to check him out on Twitch, Fail Cube. That's right. Yeah. Thanks for the That's plugs, right. man. And uh, read our stuff on Screen Rant. I don't write any of it, yep. but come read it. <laughs> <laughs> Screen Rant. Yeah, they're everywhere. You can pretty much just type in Screen Rant, and you'll you'll figure the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we forgot to ask at the start. Kyle warned us you do not like Robert Keys. What about Bobby Keys? <laughs> Look, that's probably even worse. Uh, I, I don't care. It's, no one uses these. I think everyone sticks. People called me Rob because it was easy, and my partner yeah. used to call me Robbie, but even that became too much. So it's just Rob, just Rob. Sure. There we go. Keep it simple. So the the hopes of the riverboat gambling persona Bobby Keys has been shot down. Here. I may bring it back. We'll see. <laughs> uh, He's gonna shave the beard and just have the mustache. Yeah, for that. And longer hair too. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. And oh. if you guys have listened on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, or Spotify, we appreciate that. If you guys don't mind giving us any sort of review, we don't care. You can say we suck. Just do it. Rip the Band-Aid <laughs> off. It's fine. We know it. That's why we show up every week. We're okay with it. But if you guys want to give us any sort of review, we'd appreciate it. Any sort of criticism, we'll address on air. We'll call you out. We'll do that, too. Again, we have no shame. <laughs> With that, next week, Godzilla and Kong going head-to-head. Who knows what to expect in a big CGI fest, just sort of like the one we just saw this week. And the similar movie behind this, which might have had two titular figures also going head-to-head in Batman v Superman. I know Kyle equates both of these movies the same yeah that's a shake of the head he loves it (laughs) (laughs) no i just i i almost hope because the last thing i heard rob say about this movie was a conversation we had over twitch was he thinks godzilla's a big bitch Mm. (laughs) (laughs) sorry guys (laughs) i don't know if that's verbatim but it's possible (laughs) he's quoted you multiple times on that one so (laughs) It's, uh, it's canon now. If you, you, you give me 30 there. minutes, uh. I'll explain. <laughs> <laughs> we'll still be shorter than the uh, Snyder Cut. We got time. <laughs> so yes, we'll talk about Godzilla and Kong next week and any news topics that pop up along the way. Who knows what they'll be. We, we pushed a couple things back this week just because we knew this episode would be so damn long. <laughs> it was, and that was great. So with that... Thank you for listening, guys. We'll catch you next week. The quest has been good, but we've taken it beyond. <laughs>